Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Tetra Hearing. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experience as a field, and to share our members' stories. Welcome back, everybody. This is it. Part three, our three-parter, our two-parter turn three-parter convention conversations. This is it. I hope you guys are having a good one. We're ending it off with a bang. We're welcoming in Melissa Bachman, Preston Pittman, Pup Westfall, Tom Opre, Mary and Zach O'Neill from Country Outdoors, Sydney Wells from Barstool Outdoors. Feel like I'm out of breath. This has been a long one, a lot of fun conversations. Convention was just awesome. That's why I was uh, I wanted to bring you every bit of the conversations we had. I hope you've enjoyed them thus far. We're catching up with all those folks. Whew, let me catch my breath. We go there in 90 seconds. Let's go. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Bird. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you. Turkey hunters find everything you need to succeed at sportsmansguide.com. From decoys and calls to apparel, boots, and blinds. Plus, Sportsman's Guide has much more than just hunting gear. From fishing, camping, and adventure to family barbecues and backyard bonfires. For everything you love about the great outdoors, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Shop sportsmansguide.com today. All right. I think we're good to go. I think we're safe. Day two of the NWTF convention and sports show. We are back in the booth, broadcasting, broadcasting, podcasting. Joined now by Melissa Bachman. You're here with uh, Silencer Central. Obviously, Winchester Deadly is passion. Um, we were just yucking it up a little bit, uh, reminiscing last time we worked together. But how are you? How are things? Everything's been good. I'm just very happy to be here, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm glad we were able to... Uh, to make the time and I know everyone's schedules are so busy when you're down here especially visiting with partners and friends and things like that so um so the, the, I guess we'll just cut right to it the, the what we were reminiscing about was this <laughs> this local uh consumer sports show in the uh the hills the lower hills of, of north uh, um New York and there was this Bob for Trout contest and you were there as a speaker and as a guest I think of at the time Sportsman's Channel and uh 
You went right for it. Yeah, it was awesome. They had trout in an aquarium, and yeah. they said you got to dunk your head under there and try to grab one with your mouth. And I said, you bet, I'm in. Now, mind you, there had probably been five other guys who had been diving yeah. and bobbing in before, but I gave it all I had. Had one in my mouth, but I was a little concerned of biting down on one yeah. and how it would look if I came up and yeah. had blood coming out. So I, I didn't get one, but I definitely gave it all the effort I had. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, that's that's how you live anyway, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, I talking to, to Jonathan, who's off stage here, um, when we knew you were going to have you on and have the opportunity to talk, it was... You know, I was watching your your son, the new All Stars. He, you know, totally primed. At, at how old is he? Three. He's just three, yeah. and, and he he's literally, I believe, could take over my show by probably, next year. Right? Yeah, no problem. He could probably do it right now. Um, I thought it was, you know, uh, appropriate to to bring him up. Uh, he's certainly an All Star and, and a sensation, but it, it certainly lends itself to a good conversation about hearing protection and taking taking him out in the field. And you know, talk to me about uh, silencer. Uh, Central and, and what, what everything you're talking about today, how how that matters to the crowd here. Well, and I think what's important, my goal has always been to try to get kids involved, right? Yeah. Before I had my own children, I was always trying to get people involved. And I'm always interested. I ask people, whether they're new hunters, whether they're kids, what makes you afraid to shoot a gun, mm -hmm. you know? And they say, well, I, I don't want the recoil. I don't want to get kicked. And I also, I don't want to have it where I get, uh, it's so loud. And the thing that I like about suppressors is that it actually helps with both. It reduces the noise and reduces the recoil. So not only are you going to be a better shooter, but it makes it more fun. Yeah. And I think it's so important to have people understand that. Um, I'm a huge advocate of trying to get more people involved. And of course, when I'm taking a little three-year-old, yeah. I want to make sure that I'm not going to ruin his ears at an early age. And that's just so important. And what I like about Silencer Central is they've made it easy. Yeah. right? And so many guns are coming threaded already. If you mm -hmm. have a, you know, I shoot all Winchester if you have something that's not threaded, they can thread them for yeah. you. And it's just so simple. And honestly, before working with them, I guess I didn't know that you could get one suppressor and have it fit all your guns, yeah, right? That's I nice. thought you had to buy one for every one of them. So a lot of it's on education, teaching people. Um, I always say, if you haven't shot a suppressed gun, when you shoot one, all you're going to say is, why didn't I do this earlier? That's <laughs> such a, a huge point too, right? Because, you know, we had a couple guys on here yesterday talking about trapping, right? And, and the bad press trapping gets. And it's a lack of education. Same thing with silencers. Everyone thinks it's like you're going to go do a mob hit or some foolishness. And that that's all this bad PR that's been associated unnecessarily so for over the years. I'm with you. I, when I started shooting stuff silenced, uh, this is great. Uh, my kids, one of the mistakes I made. So I, you know, coming from the military, I trained adults. That's all I've ever trained. And training kids is, it's a totally different world. And until I had my own kids, I didn't really, I just, I just thought it was what it was. And it's not. Um, my daughter, she really suffered like uh, some, some trauma from the, the sound, the report of the firearm to that point. Like she won't shoot an air gunner at this point, which really bites because I want her to come out. You know, she killed her first turkey at five years old. But after that, like, she was excited because I was excited, but she was like, I don't want anything to do with this. Had I had a tool in my arsenal like that, it would have 
totally changed the game. And the thing is, is people need to remember kids are very sensitive, right? And they don't forget things. No way. And if you scare them once, they may not want to get involved. And so what I always try to tell people on helping to train them is whatever you're going to have them shoot, make sure it's a smaller caliber to start. Make sure that it's suppressed if possible and then shoot it for them first. So that way they can see you shoot it. They can see that they're not going to have a ton of recoil, that it's not super loud and then guide them through it, you know? Mm. And I think that's important. And, you know, our goal is not to just get kids out hunting once. It's to keep them yeah, out. Like, absolutely. you know, you, you bring your daughter once, but you want her to want to come every mm-hmm. time. And I think that's one of the key things to get kids involved. You know, on my show, Winchester Deadly Passion, I started a segment called Memory Chase where kids could enter their footage to be a part of the show. Nice. And it's just ways to try to make sure that they're involved and they want to be out there. And it never hurts giving kids a prize, too. No, so. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, you know, like you said, like they're they're short little existence on this earth and you you hit them with something like that. And it's, um, you know, you, you may not recover from it. Well, and it, it even goes to the point where I'll tell people, I'll try to give people advice on bringing kids in and say, you know what? Don't tell kids that you're going to put blood on their face, right? Mm. Or that they have to take a bite of the heart. Because some kids, if someone would have done that to me, I might not have even wanted to go because yeah. I'd have been so afraid of that. Yeah. But then you have the total opposite. My son's three. When he was two, his favorite movie still to this day is Dances with Wolves, right? <laughs> and so what they do in there is when they shoot their buffalo, they take a huge bite of the heart. Uh. So his goal in life was to take a bite of a heart. Yeah. So we shot some deer, came home. Jax wants to take a bite of the heart. So my husband grabbed it, fresh straight out of the deer, took a huge bite out of it. I about gave, gave it to our two-year-old. <laughs> he did the same. That was the coolest thing ever. So every kid is different. But the point is, you know, kids really, they get scared about things and you have to be cognizant of it or they may quit and you may never know why. Yeah. Um, but if you can, you know, eliminate as many of those things as possible, our goal is to get kids who want to do it for the rest of their lives, for not sure. just to make you happy. So tell me, you know, talk to the audience about the simplification, how, you know, it, it's it's not as easy as going into your local mom and pop and, you know, buying a, a, a 12 gauge off the shelf. There's a there's a process to it. But how is silencer uh, silencer shop made it uh, more easy for you know the average person going? Well, the nice thing is with silencer central, they handle all the paperwork for you. So one of the things people are always afraid of is, well, how long is it going to take? You know, what do I have to do to make this happen? And I've gone through it. But the true test in my book was to see if my dad can do it, right? Because my dad is someone who is not gonna wanna do paperwork. He's not on his phone all the time. And we bought one for my dad for Christmas and he went through all the steps and he said, that was the easiest thing I've ever done. And if they can make it that simplified for my dad, yeah. I mean, it was literally a few minutes and, and then it shows up straight at his door. That's the nicest part is once everything is approved, you're all set and it just shows up at your door and they have really simplified the process. They've done a phenomenal job and, and I think that's that's important because you may know how helpful it is, but the whole process might scare you. They've simplified. Where are we at now? I know um, when I was very limited time, I was kind of doing retail on that stuff. And, uh, you know, it was like a 10 month window. Have we gotten better on it now or, you know, the weight? Well, they have actually just recently improved it significantly yeah. um, with they have e-forms now. So it's a whole new process. Yeah. Um, it does not have the long waiting times mm-hmm. um, and they've simplified it. They've made it electronic. That's it's great. huge and it's wonderful to see because, you know, I think sometimes the weight is what push people away. And oh, well, yeah, I mean, you first of all, you're investing your money in, in that tool. Right. And you want to be able to use it and unnecessarily so you're being put through these rigors and. And, 
you know, it's it's they're classified as a gun because of the serialized nature of them, which I, I still to this day don't understand. And no one's been able to articulate it to me other than it's because the ATF says so. Right. Um, so I'll stop saying what I'm saying there because I don't need unnecessary attention on me. But I just, uh, you know. I think it's a piece of policy that needs to be reviewed, and, and, and people in bigger positions should ought to take a look at that uh, for the exact reasons we're espousing here. It's, it's not doing anything other than protecting uh, our ears, uh, making the shooting experience in the time of field more enjoyable, and heck, even the time at the range. Uh, I, you know, I told you, I'm, I'm an ex-military guy. I shot a lot of guns. I don't really like going to the range. It just doesn't turn me on. It doesn't light my fire until... I started shooting stuff suppressed and I was like, it's funny, this yeah. is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm down with this. A lot of the, uh, like the 300 blackout subsonic stuff. Then you have to even wear ear pro. And it was, this is, this is amazing. So I think until you go out there and do it and actually experience it, you know, and it's better for your neighbors. You know, we shoot oh, yeah. a lot and we have a range right behind our house. I can promise our neighbors probably really appreciate it yeah. because nobody wants to hear it every yeah. evening out, you know. So I think there's a lot of benefits. And, and again, my whole show is about trying to get new people involved, to get kids involved. Yeah. And I think this is a way that we get people, more people involved. And this is a way we keep them involved. I think the that's an outstanding point too, right, about your neighbors. So many people don't have the access to large tracts of wilderness, right? So we're, we're hunting, you know, within legal limits, but it's not uncommon for most of us to go on turkey hunt and see a house pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certain areas are, are very extremely diverse and could have an opinion one way or another, but once they start getting woke up at five o'clock in the morning, cause we're out there smacking gobblers, you know, what is that, what is that doing for us? So if you're able to remove that part of the equation, it's good neighborly too. It's a great point. Well, and it's good for the animals, right? Because the more comfortable you are shooting, the more you're going to hit at the range, and the more practice you're going to have, the better off you're going to be. And if if it's more comfortable to shoot, the whole thing is you're going to be out there practicing more, and, and that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 2022 is here. I can't I actually believe it. And obviously, we're all here together. What's your plans for the year? Anything cool coming up? Um, I've got a bunch of hunts. We had a phenomenal season last year. Yeah. Um, this time of the year, I'm usually doing speaking engagements on the weekends. Yep. And then we have tons of turkey hunting coming yeah. up. Um, my husband and I live in some of the best turkey hunting yeah, in do. the country. And so we have a lot of tags in our area. Cool. So we will spend a lot of time. We've been taking our kids ever since they could walk and come along. Mm-hmm. Jax was a year and a half the very first year he came <laughs> turkey hunting <laughs> with us. And it, it was close, obviously, to coyote hunting. We do yeah. a lot of predator yeah. hunting. So we're out there there first gobbler ever is coming in we're not in a blind or anything jack sees him and starts howling at this turkey (laughs) and i was like oh no and then of course the turkey shock gobbles so he thinks it's hilarious (laughs) and he keeps howling i'm trying to shove suckers in his mouth to keep him quiet that one didn't end up working out (laughs) but we did end up putting him in a blind and he's been there every year at one and a half two and a half and now this year he'll be three and a half and and before that it was your dogs oh yeah (laughs) how does that work i mean your, your photos are great but like how does that work out so pork shop is a little boston terrier she's been coming with me um before i had kids i was on the road all the time by myself and frankly i had nobody ever with me so i brought pork shop and and she's been the best thing in the world and she sits with me hunting all over the all over the country all over the world yeah she is she's very treat motivated so so she will sit in a blind with me all day the only thing i don't do is i don't take her in tree stands because she is a squirrel killing machine and i'm afraid if 
she sees a squirrel that she'll leap out of a tree stand. And her life is very important to me. So I want to make sure that doesn't happen. But we sit in blinds all over. And then anytime I get an animal, she'll go and stand proud as can be for her pictures, knowing she's going to get some treats afterwards. Well well done, because she does stand very proud. Oh, yeah, she does. She's just been so much fun. And for me, traveling so much, it's just so nice to have a companion. And we'd sit in the antelope blind all day, right? All day. And she'd sit there all day with me. She has her water, her food, her toys, sits on my lap, licks my face. A couple of times she's been lapping up water as antelope coming in. My cameraman will look at me and be like, make her be quiet. I'm like, they're not going to notice. It's fun. Um, So she's just a blast. She's been on all sorts of hunts all over the country. That's awesome. That's that's just a neat little piece of nuance for, you know, what you do. Uh, Like you said, you go on so many speaking events, uh, engagements. You go to so many of these shows. What is it about this show that stands out amongst the rest of them? I just love the people. I, I really do. You have such a great group of people. I mean, turkey hunters from all around the country coming here, all supporting conservation and seeing so many booths, right? Like the variety here. I mean, I'm a shopper anyway. I've been a big shopper my whole life. And I look around and it's like, I don't know where to start. (laughs) That's a good thing, you know, Um, in the the nicest people you could ever find. So I think in plus we're in Nashville, right? Like, I mean, it's a great location. Um, Beautiful everywhere you look. It's just awesome setup from start to finish. The only thing I wish is I would have brought Jack's and pork chop. I do too. (laughs) It's like uh, Cus Strickland's kid, uh, his grandson Cranky. He's like... The Please. new celebrity. Like, oh, yeah, it's good to see Cuz, but I, I want to meet Cranky. I agree. Hey, I'm right with you. I and see all Cuz's posts. That's awesome. I'm quite certain that we're going to see uh, Dana White heading out to your place uh, to sign Jax to uh, an MMA uh, youth contract with whenever it exists. <laughs> well, I guess that's what happens when you have older brothers. The funny yeah. part is the reason he got to buy that little punching bag is he actually was asked to do a commercial. His very first acting right? deal uh, for Tim Wells for blowguns. No way. And so I had got Jack's the blowgun and he just loves his yeah. youth with darts, right? And so he thinks it's the greatest thing. Well, Tim asked me, he goes, Hey, could he produce, could you produce a spot for him using it? Yeah. I said, Well, sure. Shot the whole commercial, turned out awesome. So, of course, I told Jax, You can uh, go pick out any toy you want yeah. at the dollar store in our little town. <laughs> and that punching bag is what he got. I feel like a stalker because I'm, I'm referencing all these things, but you post this stuff oh, socially, yeah, yeah, right? And absolutely. it sticks out. Like, here's this little kid. He's a damn good shot. Yes, he <laughs> yeah, is. It was around Christmas time. Yes. And he's just running through your house, just hammering. Oh, oh, yeah. The problem is he needs to sell those little darts by, like, the thousands because our dogs like to chew them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so oh, we've gone funny. through a few. But, you know, it's just fun to show people that kids can be involved, to, yeah. that, that dogs can be involved, right? Yeah. If I can go to a blind and still be successful with a little dog on my lap and a three-year-old in the blind with me, you can take your family turkey sure. hunting, too. And I think everyone needs to remember it's got to be about having fun, getting out there, enjoying that time together things are going to go wrong you're going to have a year and a half old howling like a coyote at turkeys yeah, from funny. time to time but you know what you look back at it those are the memories you'll always remember yeah that's it you get one shot at this so you might as well have fun while you're doing it <laughs> yes and we're, we're doing having the best fun we can. here in nashville for sure <laughs> melissa bachman thanks so much for stopping by the booth i know you got a busy schedule so i appreciate it it's good to see you again yes wonderful no to see you <laughs> <laughs> that does remind me though i'm gonna have to pull that video you're gonna have up to pull out one out of the archives <laughs> show show jacks the yeah. and, and okay, in two weeks we're gonna it. see him bobbing for a trout no doubt he'd be all about very it. good thanks so much for your time i appreciate <laughs> I it i appreciate all it right. too Very good. Up next, welcoming into the uh, Turkey Call All Access podcast booth, Preston Pittman, Turkey Call legend. 
I feel honored. I, I had Rob Keck in yesterday. I have you, and I have 15 minutes. You know what you really have? Tell me. A Mississippi redneck. <laughs> I ain't going to change a bit. That's no, no nor should you. Why I, would you? I guarantee you. Just happy to be here and just so blessed that we got to have a convention this yes, year. Yes, sir. Because this, this, this is a reunion. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. There's so many people that come by that I don't get to see but once a year, but I, I consider them some of my best friends. Yeah. So it's awesome this year. Yeah, really for is. sure. Uh, you were up at the Grand National Calling? Is that right? This no, year? I am my calling. No, no. Were you up judging? Did I hear that? Or is that no, no, false I was, information? I, I was not judging. I, I, I still judge from time to time. But very honestly, I feel like it's more important for me being on the floor yeah. to get to hear everybody's turkey stories. You know. And, oh, good. So you're on the floor then. Oh, I'm on hanging the floor out. Great. all day long. All well, day long. Uh, young boy, uh, Fisher Burkhalter. Came through yesterday. We had him on the show, and he had one of your calls. He had a, oh, yeah. He had a brand, his brand new box call, and I said that's a Preston call. And I said let's break was it out. That, was that the little uh, Jason Burkhalter's kid, hat, right? No, no, a little uh, long-haired fella. Okay, I know him. Yes, yep. yes, I know you talking about. And uh, so we took it out, started playing, and I showed him how to gobble on it. And apparently, right. that's all he wanted to do all night was just <laughs> learn how to gobble on his box call and have fun. Yes, sir. There you go. How's the show treating you? Uh, the show was good. A little bit slow on Thursday. Yeah. Um, but today is coming in like all waves, you know, right, right. super busy, you know, answering questions, trying to teach people, show people different stuff. Of course, show, showcase your calls, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying. Uh, and then you get a little slack period and it comes back again. But that's normal. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. How uh, you've been at this show for years. I mean, how does this compare, you know, to you? It's hard to like kind of that's probably maybe an unfair question, right? Because we were away. Right. And now we're back and it's just you're just happy to be back. I, I, I think what it has done since we were away for a year, you know, because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, I think the enthusiasm level is even yeah. even higher and higher. Yeah. And that's that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And especially as we transition and going into our 50th anniversary and everything that that's going to be next year, it's just riding this wave of, of excitement uh, and then right into turkey season. Yeah. Well, it's, it's here. Yeah. I mean, I talked to some buddies uh, this morning and they heard a couple of birds gobble a couple of times back in Mississippi. Awesome. And, I, and I'm up here. <laughs> <laughs> Where uh, are you traveling anywhere for the season? Are you staying home? I'll be Mississippi. I got to stop and think. I'll be Florida. Oh, let me see. I know I'll do Kansas. I know I'll do Tennessee. And that's probably as much as I'm going to travel this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, have you got Have you got your slam? The the 49? No. I will never no. get my 49. Yeah. I'm probably somewhere in the 30s. Yeah. You know, uh, that's just, that's not one of my goals. Sure, okay? sure. You know, because here again, even though I'm 68 years old, I still do a lot of where the business tells me to go. That's mm-hmm. where I go. Yeah. Uh, I just never got on that kick. I mean, my hat is off to anyone, you know, that can accomplish that. Sure. And I'm just too darn old right now to <laughs> worry about it. <laughs> That's great. No, I mean, everyone's got their. I just I know you've been at it for for a lifetime. And I just was curious if it just kind of happened without purposely going to do it. Well, like I said, I'm I'm probably 32. Two, three, four, five, yeah. somewhere in through there. So That's great. I'm pretty close. Any of those stand out amongst the rest for you? <clears throat> and depending on what way, still the hardest turkeys that I know of are in my own home state, the state of Mississippi. Alabama's yeah. right there with us. I would agree Louisiana's on Alabama. Alabama's right there. Yeah. Uh, you want to go back to old times? You go back to old times when the first time I ever stepped in the state of Texas 
on a piece of property that had never been called. Period. I said, I have died and gone to heaven, turkey heaven. <laughs> yeah. Turkey's as far as the ear could hear, yeah. you know, goblin. You know, that stands out a bunch with me. Yeah. Uh, but then I go back to the birds, you know, at home. You know, once once you get out there and you think you know what you're doing yeah. and you go into some of the states where the birds have not been hunted as hard, right. not been pressured as much, you come back home for a reality check. Yeah, yeah, real that's quick. Right. yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, I, I have that relationship with the state of Pennsylvania myself. I understand. Oh, my goodness. I've hunted PA. I've hunted. In fact, I used to hunt in New York all the time. Yeah. Uh, but kind of slacked off of that. Yeah. Like I said, my age and so on. Sure, and so forth, sure. I'm just, I'm not going to hit it as hard. You know, I've got five grandchildren, four of them hunt. Yeah. Uh, I have more fun with them. And just in case, Caitlin, my granddaughter, sweetheart, we are going to get Houdini this year. Houdini, tell me about Houdini. Houdini has kicked our rear end. <laughs> Uh, I got basically a 150 little 150 acre track mm-hmm. and sometimes he's on us sometimes he's on the neighbor land yeah. so on and so forth we did not um, have I excuse me did not have the proper weapon for her or have her you know set up the right way sure uh, the 20 gauge that I had uh, was a little too heavy uh, so uh, in fact here at this show I think TriStar is going to do me an extra special favor and I'm going to have her a gun that she can use oh, that nice. she can handle had him in four times uh, within gun range one time at about 19 steps and I, I will tell this story on her to me she goes uh, people is he coming or not sweetheart he's 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 on our neighbor's land can we go over there I said no we don't do that I said that we don't have permission to hunt that land you know 30 minutes goes by people my booty's hurting <laughs> sweetheart you're just gonna have to touch it out five minutes goes by people how many times did you win the World Turkey Calling Championship? How come he ain't coming? Oh, man. <laughs> you talk about a kick in the booty. That was a kick in the booty. So Kids anyway. always know exactly what to say at the right time in the most uh, absolutely perfect way. Right, so. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of that. I'm going to have the honor of hunting Mr. Tom, you know, Kelly this year. Mm-hmm. He's in his 90s. Yeah. Uh, and for a change, I'm taking off. I'm heading to Florida. And just me and two buddies are going. No awesome. TV, no radio, no nothing. We're just going hunting and have a good time. That's fantastic. Takes all the extras out of it and just go be as pure as you possibly can. You just don't get to do that that much anymore. No, I can't imagine you do. That's fantastic. Um Turkey hunting for you, uh, I imagine you've seen these highs and lows and, you know, do you, do you remain hopeful and encouraged about our, our sport and our community? Where, where, you know, you've seen a lot. Yes, I do. Uh, you know, there's, there's research going on right now. Uh, we believe that there is a new disease, and I am very proud to say that in my home state, in the state of Mississippi, I don't know what you would call it, but there's some of us, I believe, uh, Mr. Will Primos, Ronnie Coe Strickland, Toxie, myself, uh, we're getting together with the commissioners, and we're getting together with the legislators, and we're getting together with everyone who has anything to do with if laws need to be changed. Sure. What we need to do with 
our birds. You know, what what can we change? How can we make sure that we ensure that they are here? And I know that there are two commissioners that are real high on predation. I am also that way. Sure. I don't want to take the right of any hunter, whatever game, you know, that it may be that they are hunting. And I guess really I'm talking more to the coon hunters right now. I still love y'all. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But on my land, I want to be able to trap predators, especially during the nesting season of the American wild turkey. And maybe we can get something done. One of the commissioners even said something about putting a bounty on them. So we know that's one problem, but that's only one. You know, yeah. habitat, disease, predation, uh, burning during the, 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 the nesting season. There's so many things. And like I said, I'm very proud to say that my state is stepping up and we're fixing to address some of those problems. And probably a lot of things are going to be changed. Yeah. Look, that... <laughs> Wild turkeys should never live anywhere in the country because from the time it is dropped as an egg to the day that it dies, everything's trying to eat it. That's exactly right. We human beings are the worst predator that there is out there, period. So things need to be changed, probably different for each different state. But we as turkey hunters, we as a group, we as a family, we want to protect our resource and make sure that the generations to come have got something. And by God, we'll get it done. Yeah. And with the help of the NWTFT. You know, I, we were... I can't remember. It's, it's been a crazy fast forward, like two, three days here. Um, I don't know if it was at the Ronnie, but it was just an off conversation. But we, we were talking about the importance of landowners that have large tracks making their land available to researchers and right. being able to go on. And, and, you know, you can't completely control wild animals. But if you know that these populations or birds stay on a larger track, they have no reason to leave. It certainly makes opportunity for for that research and right. a good study to be had. And, and landowners seemingly uh, anywhere in the country, but especially where you live, uh, might be the exact key Two nail on this down. Very possible. I mean, because the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks, you know, game commissions, whatever they may go under, uh, they need our help. You know, they need our support. And even if it's a small track of land over a couple of hundred acres of land, if you've got birds that need to be uh, trapped and studied, blood samples, for example, could be taken and then turned around and released. If you have an overabundance, you know, of birds, they can still do the trap and, you know, release them on another track of land, uh, whatever it may be. So I highly encourage any private landowner to work with, whether it be NWTF, whether it be department, you know, the game and fish departments or whatever it may be, um, let's protect our resource. Let's keep it here. I know whenever I was a kid, I didn't think like that, even as a young adult. I didn't think about that. Uh, but sometimes you grow up. You know what I mean? Yeah. You realize that maybe some of the things that you are doing aren't quite right. No. And, and the beauty of, of, of turkey hunting is, is it's springtime. 
back. God's bringing the world back to life again. There's all kind of miraculous things that are out there. Have you, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Have you ever watched a spider build a web and then see a drop of dew water hit it and the sun hit it just right and a rainbow, that spider web turns into a rainbow? I, I absolutely have. It's this is people that, 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 that don't understand us as turkey hunters. One, we want to protect. You know, two, I want to enjoy everything that there is. You know, this happening. Dogwoods are starting to bloom. You know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful time of year. We see remarkable things and have remarkable experiences. Yes, not not that you can't have them during the fall seasons, but there is a special time, springtime. Yeah, absolutely. Life's coming back again. You know, yeah. everything's greening up again. You know, everything's like winter's over. Which yeah. in this point in our human history seems very appropriate coming out of two years of just a funk. And I, <laughs> I have never looked forward to a spring more than I have this one. Uh, have you been uh, fortunate to stay away from the COVID? I've had it twice. I've had it twice too. Yeah. Um, I guess all the better, stronger for it and, and there you moving go. on with life because God didn't put me here to stay in a, in a bubble. That's, that's what go. I'm sticking to. So go. we're going to keep rolling with it. I'm going to keep turkey hunting and, and keep enjoying the gifts. Yep. 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 Uh, I was reminded of a, a couple of years ago, I was walking, uh, a new track of land and it doesn't happen to me often as much as you guys in the south seem to come across them but i found a brand new spotted fawn for like and it was i just almost stepped on it It just stayed as, as still as anything and it was it was like i was living out one of you guys experiences on tv you guys see it so much and uh you know our forests are really where i'm from in new hampshire very dense right. and they hide real well and it was just this moment like wow it was just incredible and, it, and it, the 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 animal lover in me was like, I got to get away from this thing. I don't want to spook it. I don't want to interrupt it. But the the human in me is like, I got to at least appreciate this for a second. You know, pulled the phone out, took a couple of pictures, you know, try to respect it. But, you know, in, in, the, in the fall, we're not seeing stuff like that. Again, it's, each season has something remarkable. But they, like you said, the, the springtime is it's new life. Yeah. It breeds new life, new energy. And what's what? How can you not like any of that? I know. I know. You know, people will ask me sometimes, what's your most memorable hunt? Yeah. I was in what we call my honey hole, which was in Monticello, Mississippi. Uh, birds as a general set of rules, especially with first first light when there's a lot of dew, you know, on tall grass. They don't like to go out sure. into it, you know, to get their underneath side wet. Well, on this particular day in a, what we call a red top clover, field crimson clover which was in full bloom uh the bird flew down in that field about that time the sun rises up there's a hole in the little fence row up there and it hit that bird and it's like god almighty kept the spotlight on that bird and i'm watching and i'm just in such awe he glowed you know it was like an oar you know around him and after he walked off i went you dummy you were supposed to shoot it <laughs> i forgot to shoot him i was just enjoying it you, you get know, hypnotized so right when the yes. sun hits those iridescents and they just yes. they just turn on it's i you don't want it to stop no and if you shoot him it's gonna stop he's gonna drop 
it's a, it's a, it's a yeah. conundrum always, right? There's a few birds out there, or several birds out there that uh, have taught me so much. Yeah. And those are the birds that uh, I pick at people and say, you know what I'd like to do? He kicked my rear end umpteen dozen times. What I'd like to do is I'd like to go over again, mouth to mouth resuscitation, revive, and, and do, go, it Let's again. do it again. Yeah, 110. You know, that's do it again. fantastic. That's exactly right. And I think. I think if you ask every turkey hunter in here, they'd have a similar yeah. feeling yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Preston, I, I do appreciate your time. I know you're on the floor. We're, we're limited on our spots, but um, thank you for making the time and entertaining the audience with some, some, some my anecdotes. Pleasure, my honor. And I'm going to try something one time. My old voice is about gone, but to everybody out there, my salute to you. There it is. There you go. Thank you, sir. Y'all enjoy that. Enjoy the rest of your convention. Thank you. Country Outdoors joining us here in the booth. Hi, Brad. Oh, do you want to know some good news? What? So yesterday I was so freaked out that we were following Toxie. Like I was like, how how do we follow Toxie? Like I don't even know what to say after Toxie speaks because like he's an idol to me. Sure. And anyway, I spoke to Daniel afterwards and I was like, so we did this podcast, but we followed Toxie. And so I thought the whole time, everything I was saying, I was like, no one's going to care about what I say. He, he texted Daniel and said, uh, sent a video of me speaking and said she was really good. Nice. I was like, oh, that was a good compliment. Heavy, like, heavy praise from the man. I know. Yeah. So that was, yeah. Also, I started little- by saying that she was envisioning everyone naked, especially that guy yeah. and somebody else. Yeah, she did. Yeah. She, she did that. Well, you joked about it backstage and then I actually did it and then oh. was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I, I joked around <laughs> the night before and the morning of saying I was going to do this um, half-witted Dwayne The Rock Johnson impression. You laughed. And then I did it. <laughs> I, mean, I did it in front of my CEO and I was like, huh? This is this is gonna go one of two ways. They're they're gonna dig it or did you do the super <laughs> like, No, it was, was the like, real oh, one. It wasn't this long drawn out foolishness. Who cares? That's why I realize you. See who else is with us as well. Join us from Barstool Storts. This is Storts. Did I say Storts? <laughs> yeah, I said my brain Storts. <laughs> I, well, I feel like I would fit right in. Right? The show is officially closed. Yeah, so it's the end of the show there. We're still going. So, so um, how much has our music affected your podcasting? It's what, no, it wasn't. It hasn't been that bad. Actually, when I came down here after um, the ladies' auction, the custom call or whatever the heck was going on over there, and it was, it was very much in my face. Unfortunately, when we started at four, they their last auction piece went up. I was like, thank God. Okay, good. Because I. I logistically there were some challenges this morning. No one noticed in the auction. They had a great time. It was a great lot ladies' auction, a lot, lot of good money raised there. But for me, you know, on the back end, like I was when I get upset, I turn into the heat miser. Do you know that reference? The heat miser? You know it. I have no idea. Did I watch the 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 uh, uh Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And he gets this f- Yeah, the red flames in the hair. Yes, yeah, and he's got this the heat juxtaposed. Miser, like he's a heat miser and then there's the ice guy. Yes. Oh, yes. You know they sing the song and everything. So I'm the, yeah. yeah. Go ahead if you got it. <laughs> Something like I'm the heat miser. Something whatever I touch. That's it. Burns starts to melt my clutch. Yeah. I'm too much. Yeah. Yes. So 
That was my thing to watch growing up. I have this uh, <laughs> physical reaction alive. I can't control. When I get mad, I turn red. <laughs> and I get hot. My ears turn red. So that was happening. And anyway, I was eh, calm down. I'm very calm now. It's, it's nice to end the day on this here with some fun people. Can we just talk about how this conversation has been so sporadic right now? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I think this is all of us just starting to like get that weird, that weird feeling after a long day of uh, talking exhaustion. and walking. So here's a fun fact. Yeah. This is Sydney's very first NWTF. What do you think? Oh yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's good. It's very overwhelming. It's been fun though. Yeah. yeah. How does how's this fit in your your hunting world and what you do? Yeah, I mean, I like turkey hunting. I I do love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, might not be as much of a lover as Mary and Zach are. <laughs> I do like love turkey hunting. I'm gonna try to shoot my grand slam with um, my bow and arrow this year. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting to be here and see everybody and see all the hype's all about because okay. I've heard great things about the NWTF every year. So I'm happy I got to come this year. Yeah. That's I didn't want to miss out. I heard too many good things. I'm like, okay. Now you're going to keep coming back because yeah, it's just gonna, a big, crazy party. Yeah. And it's so great because all like the atmosphere and seeing everybody is such good, great people around and Moss Yoke. Love those guys. So, big of ups. course. Yeah. So you're, you're fairly new. You are a little longer in the tooth new and you've been at it and you she told me yesterday you're the one that got her all spun up on turkeys yeah she ever went on was nebraska i took her and it was funny i i probably should have gave her more of a crash lesson on like what to expect you know so i was like we'll just go get on a bird real quick and uh <laughs> first turkey came in she couldn't get comfortable because she I, I don't even know if she'd shot before then couldn't get comfortable and i wound up taking the gun from her and shooting the turkey bad idea <laughs> Uh, so he still have, does I've that, seen this by the exact way. scenario play out with married couples. It never ends Wait, well. So Mary, I'm serious. He still shot a bird from out from under me last year as well. So nothing's changed. It's kind of a problem. Wait, so when's the first time? When's the first time you killed a turkey with him? It was seven that day, years ago. So she didn't kill that turkey, and then we went and had a lesson. We went back, and she killed one after that, which was a beautiful hunt, by the way. Yeah, it was. What a was your reaction? Cool what was your reaction when he shot the bird under me? Okay, you're probably mad about yeah. <laughs> a lot of swearing and I'm never going to hunt with you again and blah, blah, blah. but the first no the first turkey hunt no I was just so hooked like because yeah. the bird literally came 5 yards from my face like popped up behind this hill two of them 5 yards and I was like I'd never this is my first hunt and it's 5 yards from my face that's, that's so pretty, exciting. That's pretty that's unreal. Their like, first turkey hunt is like <laughs> going to, I don't know, Ohio for their first deer hunt. Yeah, kind of spoiled her on that one. And that hunt was cool too because those turkeys came from like half a mile away. Yeah. And they were little dots and I just watched them the whole way come. Yeah. I feel like I was pretty spoiled too for mine because I was in Texas. And like when it's like hot, I mean, I was young, so I like barely remember it. But I remember I shot it and my, I, I was excited. But when you're a little kid, you shoot something, you're like excited, but you don't know how amazing it was. And so I see my dad and he was like, freaking out obviously like it's exciting you know like when somebody hits you like are you excited like, yeah. I don't know <laughs> I think so yeah <laughs> that happened to my daughter man she shot her first long beard when she was five and she was just very matter of fact about it and then she looked over at me and I got I'm, I'm a mess and I'm, tears coming down my buddy who's with us he's crying and he's a big giant man he's like 350 pounds almost seven foot tall and giant and we're both a mess and and then she got it and then she's like oh this you know there was more to it than that and yeah that's pretty neat that's cool for a father to see his daughter kill yeah. a turkey I think I was like eight I was eight yeah seven or eight with my bow with your bow mm-hmm. holy crap yeah he's that's like, pretty awesome I remember he's like just right behind the head like spined him and he went 
just fell down. It got it on film, so it was really a pretty cool video too. Yeah. I, I mean, think both way for a kid to say that. <laughs> He's like my dad's killer, you know how he is. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what's going on the rest of the week for you guys? Man, I'm just gonna do whatever Mary tells me to do, I guess. What yeah, we got? we've uh, got a big day of music tomorrow as well. Mm. It's been awesome. We've had really good crowds. Yeah great conversation just i think more than anything it's just been so nice like this this show for me is like my favorite show yeah because it's in nashville and it combines everything that i love country music and the outdoors and you're just seeing everyone like everybody that we are friends with in the same place you know catching you up on that too because i feel like a lot of different shows that i've been on okay granted i'm like i said this is my first nwtf so i don't usually know how it goes but ever since you started country outdoors you guys and like bringing other music artists in like you see a lot of events now with more artists and honestly i haven't seen that until you guys came along and started country outdoors that's my perspective and that's i mean obviously there's been a lot of music artists that have always been involved in the outdoors and hunting and fishing but like people really like grasping onto them and bringing them with that's just my opinion it's been really cool to see and i've like even with um that's what that was our goal the whole time is to bring these artists into this world and you know most outdoors men and women like country music i think i think they kind of go hand in hand yeah for sure um but bring them into the world and like today you know they we saw over i had artists play at my booth and then they all went over to the nomad booth and you were in camp with megan patrick and all of them and like these are girls that got into hunting quite a bit later in life as well and they just love it now now that they've been welcomed into this family it's you know it's become an absolute obsession for them too so we we started touching i didn't mean to interrupt you we started touching on that at our at our rendezvous yesterday right and and specifically your brand and what you're able to do and, and kind of bringing these folks that have a bigger platform into the fold and you know it's kind of been a theme uh with the podcast interviews yesterday and today is some of these folks that are able to touch these bigger audiences and have a bigger role whether they realize it or not kind of become like de facto ambassadors for turkey hunting specifically if that's what they're going after and it becomes a really powerful tool right for we talked about recruitment you that's what your passion is right recruitment um you know, it's as simple as, you know, wearing a hat or a shirt that says either our logo or your brand or your brand, because that immediately speaks to an audience that sees it. And you guys are, I think you guys post like every five minutes. Yeah, we do. I think <laughs> our CEO posted that we post like 500, I don't even know, 500,000 or 500 million, like, Con- pieces of content yeah. a month, 500 million, I think it was. That's oh crazy. my goodness. Yeah, yeah a lot. It's a I remember. Lot. Don't like. Don't fact check me on that. But I know it was so much. So I was like, "What is that even possible?" But yeah, it's nonstop content, yeah, content, content. Always. Yeah. And so when they and there's like, I'm fascinated about. I'm learning about barstool outdoors because I, I didn't really understand like the whole side of that of the company. So that to me, particularly as a recruitment tool, mm-hmm. it, it normalizes what we're doing. Not that this isn't normal. It's completely normal to us. But to the 80% that we're always looking to uh, bring to the table, 
when someone yeah. like when you're, when a brand like Barstool can be like, yeah, dude, we got a new turkey swag. And Sydney's been getting all these guys from her office yeah. that are non-hunters in as well. It's awesome. So it's really exciting because we're starting a new series called Out of Office. So just like Mary said, I pretty much sent out a survey to every piece of content, everybody who works at Barstool, okay, who wants to be, who wants to go outdoors and do stuff with me. It's not all hunting and fishing, but it's a lot of things that can still educate them on conservation yeah. and what we kind of do as a whole. And I took some of my Chicago guys out for the first time deer hunting, actually. Yeah. And we can get an apprentice license in Illinois. Yeah. So my friend That's Dave, awesome. who has a big following, they have great followings in Barcelona, Chicago, and shot his first doe. And the video, like, the video I I took of him after his kill, he was just he said like thank you so much because I would have never thought one that I could ever be a hunter or I could possibly kill something, and now I'm hooked and like I'm gonna be a long like a lifelong hunter the rest of my life. And he we're actually going turkey hunting in Nebraska. And, uh, so you're gonna spoil month. a new hunter too. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna be very spoiled. Nebraska, we're gonna go to Nebraska, and yeah, yeah, he's gonna totally be spoiled. What, what's your take on this? I mean, you've been at it for Georgia guy for forever. Yeah, man. Like I, I've been hunting since I was a little kid, especially turkey hunting. Being from South Georgia, that's yeah. like, that's just the thing. So uh, I came to my first NWG convention when I was like 17. I came up with a call company. I still remember I went to a seminar on how to film your hunts. Yeah. And then that wound up being what I did for a living. I still remember I called my mom in the hallway. You can't do that. You what? can't, but this is going to be in the recording. Sorry. You can't be. <laughs> yeah. No, I called my mom. I'm holding the, this as a nervous. See? I'm like, you have something. Yeah. Would, you like, would you like a glass of water? I mean, to our fifth day. season of a podcast, so I know what you can and can't do. <laughs> and I'm sitting there every time going, to do that. So I always find something I'm doing wrong. You'll, you'll learn I that. do love you. No, and I'm, I'm curious about this. Like, you went to a convention, or I came to this say? convention when I was like 18. So I went to the seminar that Mossy Oak yeah. on film your nuts, and then I wound up doing that for a living. It's awesome. And then I, I remember I called my mom from the hallway. I was like, Mom, Michael Waddell's in the same hallway as me. Like back then, I thought this was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been with it forever. And now, like getting her into it, and then you know, we're talking about the country artists. It's like it's a part of their life that they feel like they can talk about now. Yeah. There was a period in time where they felt like they couldn't talk about it. Yeah. And I think the reach that Sydney has with her people is the same thing. It's making it, like you said, normalizing it to where it's cool to talk about it. It's cool yeah. to go do it, experience it, and try it. Like a lot of these artists hunt, but a lot of them haven't. And yeah. now they want to try it. I think that's been a cool thing to watch. I think it's oh go ahead. No, 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 please. I think it's cool too to show people what all like leads up to the actual hunt too. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people just don't understand, like even after he shot his deer, I'm like, we gotta track the blood trail. And he's like, What is what does that even mean? (laughs) Or like, you know, then like fidgeting and they like nobody really understands like our senses are at an all time high during the entire hunt, no matter what we're hunting. And beforehand, like there's so much leading up and so much money that's spent also that goes back into conservation. Mm -hmm. Like events like this like what other okay so you have a hobby right say it's basketball and you go to a basketball game but you don't go to conventions and you don't go to all these things throughout the year that if also you are involve a Marvel you. and Star Wars nerd you do maybe you are maybe it's like the Comic Con kind <laughs> of this is Comic Con for com- turkey hunting Comic Con for the outdoors yeah. but like you're not it's not just like a sport do you know what I mean yeah. you're it's a, it is the lifestyle that you're welcoming yeah. and bringing people yeah. into where there is like something all the time, constantly, whether or not it's hunting or a convention or meeting and gathering or prepping your land or whatever, it's a it's a lifestyle. And I think when people realize that there has been this thing that existed that they weren't a part of and then they get to be involved in it, they're like, wow, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. My life has become so much more interesting. 
Yeah. And I get to and I get to play a part in creation. Yeah. Myself. I agree, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Sydney, the favorite part of that video you posted talking about your coworkers there. <laughs> this guy was looking at a deer mount and they have a mount in their house of a deer and they have a, in the form they have like coyote teeth in the deer mount. So she's showing the guy that and he's like, I didn't know deer had teeth like this. And of course she's gonna mess with him. <laughs> Did you sell it? And then so I told him, I don't know. I was trying to hurry up and the said, Yeah, it's like a wolf deer hybrid and it's like <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, that's like, that's so fun. It just makes like Zach as a videographer and he does really well at what he does is like, I now understand, like I've filmed my family all the time, but like yeah. filming somebody like hunt something for the first time or like catch a fish or something it was the like most adrenaline rush like i was just so happy yeah Yeah. i couldn't stop smiling it was so exciting somebody seeing somebody else just so genuinely like excited and happy and yeah that's what's cool about our crowd right is like we're most of us are pretty genuine people so when you feel that rush right when you feel those experiences you want to share that as hunters like we kill something we butcher it. what's the first thing we typically do i want to share it with you come over I'm making venison poppers. I'm making turkey poppers. You know, I'm doing all this and I, and I want to share that with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I don't think it's like, I'm doing this to share and feed my neighbors, but it's just, it's just natural. It's just, it's ingrained in us. Fellowship. Mm-hmm. It's pride, like not in an ego driven right. way, That's but exactly it's you're right. proud and it's fellowship. That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and now yeah. After like so many failures too, like yeah. you, you've like failed oh, yeah. succeed Ton back and fail. forth, back and forth. So when you do succeed, just that wave of emotion, like oh, I did it. Yeah. All right. Calling everybody. Mary FaceTimed me last year when she, it was an Osceola on Florida, uh, right? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, whoa. You know, just yeah. sorry, was that really loud? Yeah. In the it's mic? okay. I was yelling at everybody. And, uh, uh, it was my first bird of the season, and then we'd had a little bit of a struggle that day earlier, and I was just so excited. Yeah, called Sydney, FaceTimed her, got my first bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like, and it's always great to have people like that in your life. So. Yeah, a hundred percent. It was someone was you know talking to me about doing this as part of my job, and like you know, I told them for you know for the longest time, I felt guilty about it, but I worked my whole. A professional career to get to a point where I have fun at work. Like, why do you need to suffer? So you want to be able to have these experiences and just, you know, be in those moments. No, but you. I think the thing is as well. It's like I I found that sweet spot too. You fi- need to figure out what you love to do and how you can make a living at it, and figure out how you can be really good at doing that. And it make. And we spoke about this yesterday. And make it about other people and not about yourself. And when you make it about other people, you're going to have a lot of success with it because it's not about you. And in turn, you're going to be successful. So you you end up winning anyway, but it's about other people. Sure. Yeah. It's like she said, taking the guy hunting and it was more exciting watching him. Because I feel like as a turkey hunter, that's the stages you go through when you kill your first turkey. Yeah. The first couple of years, I feel like it's about you and it's about how many turkeys can I make. And a body count. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, body count. Mm-hmm. As you grow in your career, your turkey career, you want to share it with people. Like, at this point, I'd rather call one in for somebody that's never 100%. and kill one. Like, I'm still going to pull the trigger a couple times, but like, I'd rather her kill one. You, you kind of... agree with that since I shot one after one. You kind of stop counting. You start... If you can believe it, and I, I, I think people have been out long enough will, will attest to this, like, you start to forget, but you remember what you're talking about those those experiences more right than than your and i smacked this gobbler on this piece of property well that's start appreciating the process yeah 100 so and with country outdoors like now we've been able to have some great partners with nomad and with mossy oak and yeah. so 
we take these artists now out on camps with us as well. And so, you know, we did the one with uh, NWTF last year and Kylie Fry and we brought her on her first. And it's what's really cool about taking artists out is because they come from, a, especially Turkey and Bird, because they come from a musical background, it's like something clicks in their head that because they understand like the different pitches and sounds and You're all of running this. instruments. These are readed right. instruments, and most of them. And it's so cool to see mm-hmm. that light flick. Like I saw it in Kylie's head and afterwards she was like, I totally get it yeah. now. She, I said to her, you will know when you hear the drumming and the vibration going through your body, mm-hmm. you'll know. And after that first time, she was like, I know exactly what you're talking about now. That was so cool. Yeah. yeah. You're chasing that dragon forever, yeah. man. Yeah. You can never explain to somebody either. Like you just have to feel that that rush. That it's like a different type of rush. It's like yeah. you're like a euphoric, I don't even know. Yeah. That's probably like my one of my favorite things actually. Like even probably maybe even over pulling the trigger on a bird is when you're sitting there against a tree or wherever wherever you are and there's a bird that's drumming and it's so close to you but you can't quite hear it. But it's like probably 10 yards away and you're sitting there and you're like and you're like you can't explain that to somebody unless they hunt do you know what I mean it's like that is the coolest thing yeah yeah we're actually we're at the Tetra booth today and uh, they make like hearing protection right yeah. but it enhances your hearing for turkeys and stuff. title sponsor of the uh, no, 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 podcast no. here we're not sponsored by them. no, no we not. are oh, this, are, this really? show is oh yeah. really yeah oh we love yeah. we love Tetra and because <laughs> Tell them the no, science a, behind that. So though. you're talking about the sounds of it. So I wound up writing an article. And we're not sponsored on, but I wrote an article because he showed me on a duck hunt. Mm. I wore him. And he's like, he gave me a test. He's like, dude, you're deaf. And uh, I don't know where this. Well, I have that attitude of like, I'm already deaf. Like, I don't need earplugs. And yeah. he told me how stupid I was about that. But anyway, we were talking about how important the sound is to the hunt. And like what you're talking about, you don't realize. Like, think about a turkey hunt without noise. Yeah, it's- mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. talking about how important that was today. Yeah. That. That's a super interesting point. Yeah, like you're talking about the drumming. And I don't want to imagine that at all. Well, just culturally, like, I don't know why uh, culturally it's become like, it's not it's not cool to wear hearing protection, but that's something that has to change yeah. because I think, what is it, like 60%, what is the statistic on the dementia, Zach? Oh, he said uh, if you have hearing loss from your 30s to 40s, you're like four times more likely to have dementia. Really? So I was like, okay, yeah. that's pretty important to take care of your Yeah. Yeah. So. That sounds terrible. It's terrifying. Yeah. Growing yeah. up, my my grandpa and my dad were always like put like ear like earplugs in because they lost all their hearing. What's crazy? So I've about, always like, worn earplugs. You can't put in an ad, you can't put someone in a tree stand without a safety harness on it's dangerous. But you can post a picture of kids shooting shotguns without earplugs. Yeah. I mean there's always like a stigma of like you put in headphones, shooting at the shooting range. People are like, "Oh, you're a sissy. You don't need earplugs." I feel like uh, yeah. I feel yeah. like that's changing. Yeah. You know, you just brought it up, and I feel like there's a lot of, uh, you know, gig given AF factors are, are down, and people are just doing their thing. You know, and it's like I think we've been so saturated. And, and no offense here, because social media is this monster, but I think I think as a society we've been so over overdone with the opinions of people. And I think we're getting to like a nice spot where people are like, I'm just I'm just gonna do my thing because mm-hmm. you know you don't put a roof over my head, you don't pay my bills, kind of thing. And quite frankly, it doesn't do anything for me your thoughts and opinions on how i run my stuff so that ego that machismo that i think this this space particularly has gotten over in like the last half a dozen years in a very good way uh is is working towards the better yes yeah i'm fascinated by your story of you know what we talked about uh, 
recruiting and then going to non-traditional places, uh, recruiting non-endemics. And I, I'm starting to hate that term at this point because like we, we came to the conclusion that people, human beings have been hunting for eons. It's, they're not, you're not non-endemic. You do no, this, this is in your, your they nature. They just haven't been exposed to it. Right, you just, you've been pre, you've been programmed for the last century and a half to not do it. But given where we are in the timeline of humanity and what we're doing and what we're trying to do, the rebrand and where we're going and who we're marketing to and who we're, who we're trying to have conversations with, I'm fascinated by a young gal uh, going to Chicago mentoring. That's awesome. That's an awesome story to tell. And this is these kind of stories and these kinds of experiences are the ones that, that need the spotlight because it empowers people because it's not just about dudes out there you know, whacking and stacking like it used to be. And I'm thankful yeah. for that personally. Well, I think, too, like as I get older and like. I mean, generations are changing. Like yeah. every, every, a lot of things are changing in life. We see it on social media. Yeah. We see like the upcoming new generation coming through. And like, you know, you walk through the WTF and I, a lot of people are getting older. I'm getting older. We're all getting older. Like we need to continue to like educate or like blog or whatever we do. And honestly, like I work on social media. Social media doesn't like, I don't try to make it consume my life either uh, though. Cause yeah. it is exhausting. I will say I, that. Yeah. And, but like, it's so important to continue to push education or just try to get people in there because if we don't like if we're not doing what we're doing now i mean <laughs> hunting bans are going to continue to happen like we were not going to have anybody going out there speaking about certain things especially what's going out on west like in colorado and arizona with the ban like people we can get into that at another time but without people trying to stick up i mean as we get older and eventually are gone like who's going to replace us so yeah. that's where i see that and like is... i'm happy in the position i am because yeah. i do have a big audience that is able to see what i do and like what i blog and post and just like posted my video of my grandpa and i putting putting wood chips in a wood box for wood ducks for the spring people don't know that some people now were they, like some people were like why are you taking out their nest <laughs> See, that's the stuff you got to educate. Yeah, people don't know. Exactly. So. The vast majority of people aren't against hunting. They're just not educated. That's them. right. Yeah. You know, so with what you're doing, you're, you're showing them what it is. Like they have no clue most of them. Yeah. And then when they get into the fold, right, then they realize how how threatened it can, you know, it, outside influences can, can be to what we do. And then when they come to know and love it, right, they don't want to lose that. They, they're part of it. Yeah. So when we came to help the Yelp yesterday, right, yeah. and we kicked that off, yeah. that it's not so much about the money part of it, right? This, this, this people need to understand, you're talking about educating a base. It's not like I'm just here with my hand out passing the plate. It's the individual I'm interested in, that wow. we're interested in. I need, we need the voice, yeah. right? Because when you start coalescing a group of people and it starts ticking up a quarter million, half a million, and damn it, you're at a million turkey hunters under one roof. That's powerful when you go down to Washington, D.C. or local you know, governments and then you have these people. It's a collective voice yeah. that are saying this needs to happen. But people also just don't know, like, okay, so say there, there are an anti or a non-hunter um, they don't know what they're what they're doing, how that contributes to the population of a wild turkey. And I was just talking to Toxie about this before, and we were talking about different, you know, the the decrease in the population and in Oklahoma in specifics and voila. But I was talking about like. Okay, so for an example, in Nashville, the gar there's a lot of garbage everywhere. Like the the government's not doing a very good job on cleaning up around Percy Priest and the public lands and all of that. And I was asking him what 
how do you think that affects the populations? And we were discussing diseases that they can get and all of this stuff. And so there's things that like people that are just are non-hunters don't know that like they are contributing to that or anti-hunters, they are contributing to that. It's all education. Do you know what I mean? So. Well, and what better time than the last two years to educate them on it? Because I think totally. there's a very good, arg- not argument, but validation of what we do. Like they went to the grocery store two years ago and there was nothing on the shelf. Yeah, 100%. So oh, having yeah. the ability to go out and get your own groceries is pretty big. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that point this morning, you know, yeah. getting ready to go to, to work on the floor. It's like human beings need need three things absolutely you need food water you need some shelter but like uh, you know that uh, topic that i brought up yesterday because I, I was really curious when did the disconnection happen from the food i and, and so i started researching and researching on it and i i talked on this yesterday but so uh at the end of the second world war women were pushed into the workforce which is great but um, what that meant was fast food was invented and it was a way to for women to be able to feed their families quickly without ease because they weren't in the kitchen anymore. What that ended up happening was before that, everybody had a garden at home. Most people knew somebody that hunted or hunted themselves and then fast food was invented and then disconnection from food really stemmed from that. Like that's when – and it, and what – what is that? Sixty years? It's nothing. Yeah, not a lot. Like I mean, you're talking about thousands of years that people did this, and in in a sixty year period, maybe the that, that disconnection has happened. So well, it's, it's, yeah, it's the change in societal norms too, right? Yes. And then the burdens put on families. What you know, what they term the traditional family. Like if mom has to get out of the house and go to work, well, to pay the bills just to survive that influence is gone and we've learned you know through through uh, social studies that if mom's hunting everyone's hunting most of the time right so mom still has that huge matriarchal influence on the family in the house so but this is the time to be really pushing and having the conversation more people are having more people have a home garden now than they ever did because of the pandemic more people are getting into hunting and fishing hunting and fishing licenses are through the roof because of the pandemic so it's a perfect time to have the conversation yeah and then there's the juxtaposition when you have that is like are there, there too many people not well, right yeah. now. No, no, no. Not. And that's true because, you know, and we've spoken about this before, like South Georgia, you know, they used to have a three bag limit. I think they need to bring that down to two because there's too many people hunting now and like they just whack them and stack them down there. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, yeah, yes. And that's why you need the NWTF to work with the DNRs on population control and all of that stuff and really know what's going on. And that's, I mean, yeah. Justin Adams was in here yesterday and we were talking about, I think he said, Tennessee, you guys can kill like three deer a day or some crazy crap like that. Crazy. Yeah. And the point was like, okay, first of all, you don't have the space. Most people don't have the space to, to put all that meat. And second of all, the bigger point is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Should. And it's the same. And yeah, exactly. And like, honestly, I'm happy if you can shoot a bird in a state. Like, I don't really need yeah, to go out too. and shoot three birds in one yep. state. Like, there's no need, no need for it. I it's, think you start seeing a lot of people, too, that have been at it for so long doing self-imposed moratoriums. Yeah. And that's okay too. I mean, I, I think that's a, a, a good way to go about it because it's you doing you kind of thing and no one's mandating you follow some new rule or some new law or prohibition. It's, I think, I think most people in this building right now dig that mm. and get onto that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you, you've got some cogs turning. 
no, I'm just listening. I don't know. It, I think it's just there's a lot of variables on that, right? It's state by state. It's, yeah. The public land's different than the private land. You might have a piece yeah. of private land that's managed extremely well and they can stand to take more off of it than the public land. Yeah. Right. Maybe the public land's getting, maybe it's open quota, or maybe it's closed. There's a lot well, of variables there. And I'm also talking about somebody who has the ability to travel around, but a lot of people never leave their home state. Right. You know what I mean? And can't go and travel around, so. I think it's, yeah. I think the state agencies do a pretty good job, especially, and I know NWTF is involved on that level pretty heavily. Oh, yeah. Limits. It's just being fluid and having the ability to realize a problem, like a trend right now. A lot of states are seeing a trend of mm. decline and they're getting ahead of it, trying to get ahead of the best they can, figure it out. And if that means we need to kill less turkeys, kill less turkeys. So it's an interesting right. point, right? Because this was brought up as well yesterday in one of the conversations that, you know, for years, if you've been at this long enough, you hear turkey hunters say, well, by God, if it ever gets to that point, I will hang it up until it gets right and then we'll go do it again. Well, some people might bluff might be getting called here pretty quick, you know, and I'm not saying it's seasons are going to get shut down, but you know, to your point about going from five birds to three or two, that's, that's pretty shocking. Right. And oh, it's like, yeah. are you, are you willing to stand by what you said because you care so much and like you're getting but, called to the carpet. But that's why the help the Yelp research is so important because like the, so I don't know how many, so now, now on average, a turkey will out of the whole amount of eggs, like two. Two's, two's doing good. They're recruiting. Two's doing good. I think good. they're recruiting one and a half birds statistically. So what did it used to be? And and that's what why the research is important because it's like okay, so is it pesticides that make that's it making them be like predators? I mean, think about it, how no, many but people. But the fertility oh, I'm the talking fertility, about, okay. like the actual fertility of the bird, like is that like the research is necessary because you want to find out what is actually happening hormonally, internally, so that they can actually fertilize more eggs. Well, then right? you take the, you know, I think it's often overlooked for some reason. People just forget about something as simple as the weather. And we have zero control over that. Uh, yeah. If, if it, if it's a crappy wet spring in 2022, your 2024 crops probably not going to be that great. Right. That's North central Oklahoma last year was not good yeah. at all. When you look back, they had a big freeze and a big flood that year. Yeah. That's it. A lot of people try to pick one thing. That's exactly right. There's a mixture of things. That's exactly right. Yeah. You can kill all the raccoons you want. But if the weather sucks or there's a lot of owls or something picking them off, there's two things you you can't do anything about. Yeah. So how how do we mitigate that? And then we start talking about habitat management. We start talking about making places hospitable for these ground nesting birds. More predator control. Like that's not a big thing anymore. Predator, the predator control. Uh, it's control. not traditionally, right? But that's not the silver bullet that's going to solve it. We yeah. should People should be out there trapping. I encourage it. It's a great thing for kids to get into. It's a lot of fun. It's like Christmas Day every day. But like some people have adopted that mindset of that's the only thing that's going to save all the turkeys. No, you need it's a combination that's of exactly a bunch right. of things. Yeah. That's exactly right. where you're at, too. Yeah. It's just, there's not one answer. To that's right. Problem, so. And what's great is everyone is coming to the table with their ideas and their thoughts, and they're able to, through our organization in combination with state agencies, put a lot of good stuff. We're a lot of smart people in this in this community. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see it at the rendezvous or some of these seminars, you know, and you're like, wow, you know, I just I just didn't even think of it that way. So I come into this event is so important too. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's refreshing to know you're in a you're in a building full of people that have a fire in their bellies for the same cause. Different ideas to throw around. Guys, I don't want to cut this off, 
but my last guest is, is yeah. waiting patiently. And this has been a fantastic conversation. Yeah. Uh, let's get the plugs in. Country Outdoors, Zach and Mary, um, where can the folks come find you, get to know you? Well, our uh, turkey tour with Outdoor Channel is about to kick off. First episode airing March 17, semi-live all throughout turkey season. So you can watch us almost in real time as we're on the road. And you can find us on Country Outdoors on Instagram and Facebook. Right on. Sid, can I call you Sid? Yeah, you can call me Sid. Sid. A lot of people call me Sid. All right, Sid, where, where can they find you and, and how can they just laugh their, their backsides off all day long? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you can follow me on all of social media platforms and then for Barstool Outdoors, all over Barstool Sports, Barstool Outdoors, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. So uh -huh. everywhere. Yeah. Thanks, Same guys. with me. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks That's a fast, uh, fast 40 plus minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you. Turkey hunters find everything you need to succeed at sportsmansguide.com. From decoys and calls to apparel, boots, and blinds. Plus, Sportsman's Guide has much more than just hunting gear. From fishing, camping, and adventure to family barbecues and backyard bonfires. For everything you love about the great outdoors, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Shop sportsmansguide.com today. So uh, we got some extra time here. We had a guest that couldn't make their scheduled time. So we're getting extra time with Putt Westfall. Man, I'm glad to meet you in person. Oh, yeah. How's it going? Good, man. There are not a lot of people who can say they've been on the show twice. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I feel uh, special. Yeah. Well, you are. We've talked about that. Are you going to the vet's breakfast tomorrow? I am. Nice. Yeah. I'm not seeing it. Yeah. So we'll do this again. Awesome. Yeah, man. So what do you think? I mean, it's... The show looks a little smaller this year yeah. uh, compared to, what, 2020 we came. But, I mean, I, I've never been here on a Friday. It's usually I come, I go to the veterans breakfast on Saturday, and then I rush through the, yeah. you know, the show floor, yeah, yeah. and then, you know, that's it. So, coming here. I mean, it's, it's amazing. This is a great place, you know, to, to host any event in, and with the NWTF, I mean, the, the convention's huge, so there's plenty of space. So yeah. if you're not here this year, come on. By yeah, next well, year, next year will be even bigger and better. I know the crowd's been like, uh, from what I, I talked to some folks on the floor real quick, it's coming waves. It's a work day, so I think uh, I think I think people will be getting after it, and I, I suspect tomorrow is just going to hammer. Oh, I, I think so. I mean, you know, five. 
what the show closes at seven uh, this evening. Is that what time it closes? I believe that's exactly where the show floor does. Yeah. I mean, then we got other stuff going on after the fact. Right, right. You know, it's just it's glad I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to, I'm glad to see you. And uh, tomorrow should be pretty special. We did the run through, and uh, man, I got choked up. I was like, oh, "Godly days, y'all shouldn't have asked me to do this." Yeah, are you speaking? On the MC, I'm running. Oh, the, really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Um, it is awesome, man. It's awesome to be, yeah, how do you say it? Like, um, you know, th- these are our people, but you and I are our people. You know what I mean? And to be in that room, to honor those people, I mean, it gets to you. And I think the older I get, it th- it gets harder to hide those emotions. Well, and what's, what's awesome is, is you have men and women from World War II, Korea, Vietnam. I mean, of course, the World War II, you know, those are few and far between anymore, you know. And at some point, in, you know, 20 or 30 years, we're going to be those old guys. You know? oh, I mean, yeah, you're exactly right to think about that. Yeah, oh, it, it, it's a horrible thought, but I mean, <laughs> you know, there'll be veterans after us that, yeah. you know. I hope not. You know what I mean? In that in that, that respect, I, right. I hope not. It seems like the uh, the world's trending to not make that happen again, once again. So, well, and if you look, if you look at it, it's almost every twenty years yeah. there's a conflict. There's, it's cyclical for sure. If you look at America's history, I think it's only been I think it was like five years stint where we had no conflict yeah. anywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, because there's operations that go on that we don't even of know course. about. So, yeah, yeah. you know, but hopefully the climate will get better, and you know, we can all kumbaya, and you know. Whatever is going on in, in uh, over there right now in that Russian area, I, I want no part of it. No, I, I don't either. I don't think it's our problem. You know? that? I don't think it's our problem. No, I, I agree. You know, I agree. We, we got enough going on here. Yeah. You know, I mean, turkey season's coming up. Everybody exactly should be right. in the woods. You know what <laughs> That's I mean? That's exactly like, right. You don't, you don't need to be in a foreign land, you know? No. Come, come get in the turkey woods, you know? And quite frankly, you know, you talk about the last 20 years, you know, that our time that you and I both win and it exceeds that 20 years. It's older than that 20 years. So we knew a time where, you know, there was, there was operations like standard commitments going around, but I mean, it was, it was nothing like it. It's been, I, I was in Kosovo. Yeah. I was there on a peacekeeping uh, mission. I had my third son born on September uh, 9th. And I said, you know, two days later, you know, here, you know, the world changed. And because, yeah, you're right. We had peacekeeping operations. You'd go to Korea, Germany, stuff like that. Uh, I remember going to Panama just, you know, for a stint or whatever. And then, you know, I, I. My son was born, my third son was born, you know, right before September 11th. And he grew up, he's grown up with that. And it wasn't until what, last year that we pulled out, you know, I mean, that's crazy to think about. It is crazy to think about. And you're like, can we just, can we just breathe, man? Get things right. Get things right in our country. I mean, you talk about veteran issues. I mean, we kind of went deep into it on our our longer uh, conversation sometime back, but I mean, we just can't get our own stuff right. No. And I mean, when we talk veterans issues, you know, getting medical care. And so I, I go to a chiropractor and stuff like that. I I had like nine visits for a chiropractor. 
those expired. They had to put in a request for me to get more visits. It took over two months for the VA to okay it. Now I'm starting over again. You know what I mean? And like just getting care. They want me to travel two hours to get care where, you know, Trump signed into, uh, you know, into law Choice. that if you're 45 minutes away from any, you can see a doctor locally. They want me to travel two hours. <laughs> so that's man. Yeah, it's we, crazy. We, uh, we have done a disservice to, to our men and women. I, and I'm not saying that to be a jerk. It's just, it's the truth. I don't, I don't know how some folks in positions of power wake up and look at themselves. Well, and I think it's going to change because yeah. if you really look at it, um, you got Dan Crenshaw out of Texas, yeah. uh, Latrell. Morgan Latrell. Yeah, Marcus's brother yeah, is running. Yeah, 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 he's running. I mean, he was a Navy SEAL and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of vets, a lot of OEF and um, Operation During Freedom vets that are in positions that – they could potentially make a difference, which is fantastic. Yeah, they could make a change. No. You know, you don't have to go with the status quo. You don't have to be the yes man or the yes woman. You know, if you see something that needs to change, make a change. You know, I mean, we got people that have been in office as the just as a president. When's the last time we had a president that served in a conflict? I think about that all the time. I really do. Yeah. You start I, going back and like, dang gum, we're setting a pretty bad standard yeah i mean i i say that I, I wish all the presidents would serve you know but i i think especially serve while in combat you know because that that's a whole different perspective you know i 100 percent, and, and I, it comes down to if you're going to be the the guy or gal committing folks Right. Like you, you better under, have a full understanding i really i would hate for people to have to go through combat to say okay i get it but at least having having gone through that exercise of giving of yourself and like we talked about in our big conversation, reconciling in your mind that, yeah, I would I would stop taking breaths for this and get that that mindset, because then I think if you get to that place and you understand and you can accept a fate like that, if if it came down to it, I think you have a hell of a lot more clout committing guys and gals to go over. I remember walking around uh, Faha Hill in Kuwait. And just and this was, you know, I think eight years removed from Desert Storm 1. And we get like these wreck days, you know, it was peace, peace time. We're still doing Operation uh, Northern Watch, Southern Watch deal. You know, we were doing Southern Watch in Kuwait. Northern Watch was Turkey. And I still felt uneasy just walking around because you stick out like a sore thumb. Right. I mean, right. that's Jesus yeah. Christ. If it's not the, the, the haircut, the high and tight giving you away, it's just the way you, you act, you walk, you talk. And, um, you know, it's, it's not home. It's not America. No. When I went to, to, we went, when I was in Egypt, we went to the pyramids. Yeah. That's all. That, yeah. It, it was a very cool experience. Well, so they had us wear button up shirts and stuff and they were like, don't look like a soldier. I'm like, how am I supposed to do that? Right. Because like you said, I don't see any of these Egyptians walking around with high and tights. No, man. You know, clean shaven. I mean, 
I'm wearing a, a polo and and some khakis. That's not standard what they're wearing. Standard issue gear. Right. You know, so <laughs> how, how do I not stand out? You know? What was that? What was that meme? I, and I'm not giving any credence to this, but I think it was around uh, January last year. And they said, you know, the protest that happened. It was all these dudes wearing these black Oakleys high and tights, all perfectly primmed. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's protesters there was like come on man yeah. <laughs> it was so funny i don't know if that was true or not but the, anyway the meme for what it was was worth yeah, the laugh it was those and they uh, yeah because they were wearing uh they had like shorts on and they were wearing polos they or whatever like they said CIA they were, yeah, feds or whatever yeah no that uh-huh. it's hilarious because how it's hard not to stand out once you've been through yeah. some type yeah. of training like that yeah. you know even still yeah we get all bushy face and you know we get covered in ink but you still have a standard you still have it man yeah you have a standard you can pick guys out you know I mean, without even knowing who they're like, yeah, that guy served, yeah. you know, it's that, it's that stare, man. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. I get it all the time. What are you doing? Nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah. What are you thinking about? You know, right now, I don't even really remember. No. You know, <laughs> everyone's like, are you, are you okay? Uh-huh. I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Better yet, are you okay? Give me, give yeah. me two minutes. You just, you know, <laughs> like I got things going on. It's um, it's encouraging to see so many people out here, man. And I think they're still coming in, but you know, um, we talk about tomorrow's breakfast and stuff, and so and, you know, you can pick them out. I was watching earlier, especially yesterday. I was sat here for the the most of the day, and you can see them. And it's good to see an active, vibrant veteran community uh, within our, our turkey ranks, right? Oh, yeah. It, it's huge. And that, like, it, in my article, I talked about, like, why I began hunting and then turkey hunting and how I got that adrenaline rush that I never had mm. except in combat, mm. you know? And it's the same thing when I get around these guys and we we sit and talk and, you know, we talk about, the turkeys were, were hunting and, and the strategies, right? Just like if you were going on an operation, you're going to that, that op order and you're talking about the strategies. So it's the same thing what we do when, when we go hunting. And then when you, we get all those people together, I mean, it's a blast. It's because, like a damn fire team making yeah, movements. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I did that in Florida. As a matter of fact, I, I shot my bird in, in Florida and it, it hopped up and, and flew. And once it gets into like the woods in Florida, the guide was like, if it's in there, you're not going to find it. And I was like, oh, man. And we were walking al- along this trail and then we see this bird laying there. So it was me and me and my buddy, Sean. And I mean, immediately we were like a fire team. We took up our positions and we just you know, <laughs> shot guns up and we're, and we're just maneuvering on this bird. I mean, the bird's not got a weapon, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, it just clicks in your head. Muscle memory, man. Yeah, you you know, just do what you know. Yeah, it's like a threat, you know? So we made a movement on it. And it like when we got done, I was like, dude, that was the coolest thing we'd ever done, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm glad we got the bird back. That was, you know, number one. Sure. But the just seeing us move like that. And, not, and, and the thing is, we didn't say anything. It's not like it was like, all it right, just, you know, it just happened. Yeah. Cover me. You know, he covers me or whatever. <laughs> it was just, we just did it. It's muscle memory. Like you said, you know, and I mean, I, I was in the military for so long. I don't know if there's another, if you get that, like nothing against Lowe's, but if you worked at Lowe's for 20 years and you had a buddy work at Lowe's for 20 years, I don't think you get the same camaraderie that you get, you know, serving, you know, 
unless you're building a house or whatever, you don't have to talk about which two by four to grab or whatnot. <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to this veterans breakfast. Are we having entertainment? Uh, so guest speaker, uh, Johnny Jones, Johnny, Joey Jones, Fox news fella. He's going to be on. Uh, he uh, he got whacked by an IED while he was serving in Afghanistan. Double amputee, uh, I think, above the knee. Um, he does a lot of Fox News Sunday, I think, as a correspondent or contributor. So he's good on the vet issues. I know he was he's here somewhere. He's on the floor. Um, I don't know whose booth he was at. I, I think he was. Uh, I thought I heard he was over at Bone Collector or something like that. But we didn't even get halfway through. No. I, we came down here. I talked to you for a quick second. No. And then we hit the showroom floor. And I mean, we even though there's not as many people as there will be tomorrow. I mean, it was still booming in there. Right out there. And I, I do want to give a shout out to the kid at Pecker Record Calls. Best salesman on the floor right now. I mean, I don't know. He's probably 12, 13 years old, something like that. Yeah. I'm telling you what. It, that that kid right there can sell. <laughs> I, I, he, he looked at my girlfriend and said, He's a, that's the best looking shirt I've, I've seen here. You know, we're kind of stuck far away. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, let me really take a look at it. Come on over here and take a look at all this. You know, at the same time. And I was like, all right, what, what are you selling? You know what I mean? He's <laughs> like, I got these mouth. I said, hey, he said three for 20. I said, all right, grab me three and let, let, let's put them in the bag. I mean, it was awesome. Like, I, I dig a great salesman, yeah. you know what I mean? But, you know, the, sorry, I get on a tangent sometimes. Go for it. But the, the Veterans Breakfast, I, I've been the last two years, I believe, um, in the in the speakers generally. I mean, the stories that they tell. Uh the, I don't remember if it was the last one was from Vietnam, a Marine Corps. I don't remember what rank he was. Was that was that in 2020? I thought they had um, a Navy SEAL. I forget his name. I should know it, but I don't, I don't remember a Navy SEAL. But this guy, he, I mean, it, their stories will put tears in your eyes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, and a lot of them have struggled through life after. You know, I mean, a lot of guys get blown up, shot, whatever, you know, I think the the Marine, he was like blind on one side, couldn't tie his own shoes. His wife did it. His wife's done it since he returned from Vietnam, Jeez. has always helped him, you know, I mean, and, and she's a hero. Yeah. You know? yeah. She doesn't want to take credit for it, but I mean, she's a hero as well. So, I mean, the speakers have always been amazing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think I think Johnny will be good. I, I've I've seen him. Uh, you know, do do special interest piece, especially veteran pieces, and you know, report news. And he's like, he's pretty good, man. I remember when he first came on to that program, that channel, and I was like, oh, look at this cat. And then uh, his 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 presence was increased more and more and more. And I, I can actually I could actually see that guy running for office at some point. Really? Yeah, he's he's strong on the vet issue, so it'll it'll be nice to meet him, and, and it'll uh, certainly be cool to share a stage and then have him share his message with you know everyone sitting in that room. Right. You gotta get a business card what's that you gonna get my business card tomorrow for what <laughs> i mean you gotta move up buddy you gotta, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, i'm not going to fox news <laughs> you're not gonna go to like fox you know they local news I, the only thing i could do on fox news i think is gutfeld because they at least hit the pe the beat button yeah yeah i, <laughs> I could contribute on that and, yeah. you know the the, the living libertarian streak in me would just come flying out and i think it would fit good everything else yeah, i'm not sure i don't you're pretty good like i i've listened to quite a few of the podcasts Yep. You know, I mean, you're not, you know, in person, you know, I think camera 
does you justice. You know what I mean? Seeing you on video, you know, face to face. I don't know. It's true. You know, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I mean, I, I really like your podcast. You know, you always keep keep people in tune to what you guys are talking yeah. about, regardless of who it is that you're talking about. And I mean, that's what I've enjoyed about the podcast. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? And I think what I was like, podcast three or something like that. I think I was it I that went, soon. Yeah, I, I was like after cut or was it after heart because cuz came on, then heart came on. He must have been like five. Well, there was, uh, I think I listened to the girl that went coal mire, Vermont. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I was on after her. Yeah, yeah you would in five because she yeah. was four. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I it's mean, fun, man. I mean, for me. It's 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 genuine. I'm I'm genuinely asking questions. Either I want to learn or I just enjoy talking to the person. I look, man. I've done this since 2017, and I've talked to some busts. They don't make it on air because why would you? All right. But you know, it's like you can tell five ten minutes into the conversation. I'm pulling the plug. I'm going, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're polite and professional about it, but some some people. It's weird, man, because they know they're coming on. So it's like it's a 90 minute, 60, 90 minute show. Um, you know, when we do the regular show, not not these 15 minute bits here. Um, so I want to learn. I want to I want to engage. I want to talk, you know, give your these stories provide value to the people who are listening, especially with a, a niche audience like ours. with such a special interest in in turkey hunting, conservation and everything that comes along with it. All the little subsets. You know, you look this is a, a, a my, not a microcosm. It's not micro anything. This place is freaking huge. But you look at the, over over here, you have the custom column section. That's a whole culture unto itself. Right calling contest upstairs that's a culture all to itself yeah right and then you got all these other business folks out here and you know people's different you know motivations but for the most part it, it, it's all genuine man everyone is here and it, and it really you know ends up being around this crazy bird yeah. yeah but that crazy bird allows us to do all these amazing awesome things and then you know it's like it's like when you're a little kid and you learn how to map out and brainstorm and you start off with a main idea and you draw a line and another balloon and then all these little balloons and, and that's what we do man right right you and the, spider web and, and the crazy thing about this this ugliest sin bird right that's the most beautiful thing i've ever beautiful. you know what i mean absolutely what's so crazy about it is it it brings you into the con conservation part yeah. of the world. You know what I mean? Like, you know, in order for us to hunt turkeys, we have to have land. So we have to, you know, through the NWTF, like with our $35 membership, that helps provide the NWTF with the the money, the firepower to put towards like super funds in states to where we can buy more land for, for conservation. And what's cool about that is it's not just that individual $35, you know, we take that $35 collectively and then match those funds. Now you're 30, you know, I think we've said it a couple of times over the last couple of days, but the average is a five to one match. So if you five times 35, whatever the mental math is on, it's a hell of a lot more than five, uh, 35 bucks. Right. That's huge. Right. And then you can get, you know, we, I was talking to one of the biologists, they've done 20%, uh, 20 time match. Holy hell, man. And you start doing that with, you know, 100, 150,000, 200,000 people. You know, we kicked off Help the Yelp uh, this week at this convention. And, um, you know, by the time this airs, you can still do it. You can text 
Yelp, Y-E-L-P to 44321 and donate. You can do any any amount or you can do the predetermined amounts. 25 bucks seems to be a nice average. I was comfortable with it. It was easy to hit. Nice. and But again, it's putting that money, letting it get matched. But the membership, right? It's like the military. When you have more people in there, you're more powerful. Your your voice matters. So when our, you know, executive level team and the management team and, you know, they start working in tandem with these other groups because there's issues that they need to take care of for us. And the same thing can be said for batch groups. You know, all these people that are members, that number means something. It gives us cloud. It gives us a voice. So it's, you know, and I, I think you and I have talked t- touched on this in the past that $35 is great. But it's more than the thirty-five dollars. It's it's you. It's the member, the membership, and that voice. Because I mean, let's face it. When it comes to politicians, they're looking most bang for their buck. And on some of these, I was talking to one of the uh, trappers yesterday. I, I, he suspects, and and I probably do too. Most most politicians could probably give a rip about trapping specific issues. But if there are more uh, people against trapping, you know, let's say there's two million people against it, and you only got. 10,000 people coming out for it. Well, 2 million votes versus 10,000. What's the, what's the calculus on that? It's pretty easy. Even I can figure it out. Yeah. Air Force cop, you know, <laughs> yeah. as an army cop, yeah, so, I, mean, I know. You know what I mean. Like, I mean, we're the worst of the worst in, in our own branches. You know what I mean. Like, it, you know, I you look, did it on purpose. I wasn't even told to do it. I mean, so did I. Because my <laughs> yeah. plan was, I was like, get out and be a cop. You know what I mean. <laughs> Me and then too. I started having kids, and I was like, I can't even get out of the army if I wanted to. You know what I mean. But it, it that that's a funny part about you know the military is. You know, you, you join the army and everybody's like, oh, yeah, awesome. You know, and then they're like, what'd you do in the army? You know, you're like, oh, I, I was an MP. Oh, I used a cop. Oh, OK. Why do they do that? <laughs> I don't know. Because the funny thing is, is it's like like in, in my 16 years, you know, I was medically retired in my 16 years. I probably worked the road a, a total of 18 months yeah. out of 16 years. I mean, I, I don't know that I've. I've written 50 tickets in my life, you know? Yeah. And, and most of those were just, you know, $10 parking ticket or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and especially once I did it for just a couple of months, I was like, I don't want to write any tickets. Cause I was like, I don't have any money to pay for it. How are they going to pay for it? You I'm know? so with you. I never, so twofold, right? One was that part. So the cool thing about, you know, being a, a military cop is you have what's uh, called uniform code of military justice. So it doesn't, the law doesn't apply equally. We have our own set of rules and laws and how we, uh, you know, administer uh, a punishment or levy a fine. So there were two different styles of tickets. You could write a military ticket or you could write a civilian ticket on a military installation, but you had to go to court. Yeah. I never wrote those. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my last day on duty, my chief called me up and he's like, Sergeant Bird, this guy's doing this in a tractor trailer. He's, you know, jelly flicking around. I need you to go hem him up. I'm like, it's my last day. I'm not writing this. T- sure. You got a chief. And I rolled out there, responded. And I told the deal. I was like, <clears throat> I'm not writing you this ticket. I'm going to pretend I wrote it. And if someone asks you, I wrote this ticket. It's my last day on the job. I'm out. But I never. So the lazy part, not lazy. I didn't want to go to court. Right. I was a bad cop. I was a good cop in the sense. I like the community policing part of it. Yeah. I like being out there with people. I liked helping, um, you know, fulfilling certain tasks. But man, I had no interest in the admin side of it. 
Right. Zero and, interest in the admin side. And, of and it. The, you're talking about the the military tickets. Like I don't know if it's the same in the Air Force, but in the Army, if we wrote a military ticket, it went to their commander. What's your first sergeant or commander? Right, right. So then they had to deal with it. So then it took everything off of you. You didn't have to worry about it no more. Yeah. So if they got in trouble, and you know. You're not going to see the kid because, again, you're not going to court, for one. They're not having to pay no money. You know, they just got to get their butt ripped for 20 minutes and then just go about their day. So, yeah, the ones I uh, I always giggled. I told this story to somebody and uh, I don't know if you guys had this same same, but it was, uh, you know, don't confuse your rank with my authority. Yeah. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing. Dude, I used it. I remember I used it on a lieutenant colonel one day. I pulled him. He ran a red light, just did not give a rip. It ran right through. And I was like, come on, dude. And I seen the, so in the military, you know, I'm familiar, like there's colored stickers on the, um, well, used to be, they, they don't have. do it anymore. Oh, they yeah. don't. Yeah. Blue was for officers. Blue was for officers. So yeah. I seen them blow by and I seen the blue. I said, son of a bitch. This is, I'm going to get into this, this rank thing. This, And I, I could tell. Pull him over. And at the same time, there was an alarm activation uh, at the local at the bank on base. So when that happens, everything that takes precedent, there's a response. They set up their court on, do their investigation. So anything you're doing stops. So not only is this guy pulled over and he's waiting on me. Now he gets out of the car. Get back in your car, sir. And I'm doing it over the loud so people can hear this. Sir. Hey, I'm giving him instructions. And I finally get up after like 20 minutes of this alarm activation. And I get up to him and he's like, push your problem. And he started, you know, I was, I think it was like an A1C. It was like a two-striper at the time, maybe a senior. Airman. And uh, he's taking an attitude with me. And I'm like, I'm trying to be courteous and respectful. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, so this is why. And he's like, you know, you've made me very late. I'm sorry, sir. There's alarm activation. I, you know, protocols. And he starts. And I had to do it, man. I pulled it out. I said, sir, please don't confuse your rank with my authority. I can refer you to higher management if you'd like. And he didn't, he just went right down. I was like, I can't really? believe. Yeah, I mean, he was well, ready to go was- heal on me. And and I think because, um, you know, the warning I gave him, I didn't even hook him. I gave him one of the, the, the military thing. And on the back of it, you stand, stand you know, give to the commander first sergeant. And he's like, I don't want trouble. Like he knew. So, I can't believe you backed down. Though. He did. I, it was I, funny. It wasn't like me having this power trip. It was just like, dude, just chill out. This, this really doesn't mean anything. We're going through this exercise. So when I was a platoon sergeant, my guys were working the road and I decided I'm going to work the road with them or whatever. Well, then I get I get a call out to a lieutenant. I had two buck sergeants, E5s, pulled over this lieutenant and they were giving, you know, they were going back and forth. Well, I pull up and I'm like, what's going on? You know, and they're like, we were meowing him like super, super troopers. Meow. You know <laughs> you did meow? Oh, I did that at our date. Yeah. Have a good day, meow. <laughs> yeah. So they, they were doing this to this lieutenant. So they tell me this, you know, and I, I'm trying not to laugh, but I'm heated at the same time because now I got to deal with this lieutenant. You know, he, he just graduated college, you know, I mean, just, just out of diapers. He yeah. He don't know. Yeah. He don't know what's going on. You know, I'm a star in first class now and I'm like, what's going on? Sir? They're meowing me. I said, sir, come on now. Are you serious? You know, they're meowing you. What are you talking about? He's like, every time they, they talk to me, they say something, then meow. I'm like, sir, are you sure? You know, I mean, they would, he, I, it was hard not to laugh because I knew they did it because they, <laughs> they told me about it. And I was like, God, come on now. You guys ain't working together no more. You know what I mean? Because you should have busted the rest of it out on him. Like, sir, do they look like heads? Do you see your right. bouncing all nimbly, bimbly? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, come on now. But yeah. Oh, man, that's great. I, I, we I, did the meow game. Yeah. I, 
And the funny thing is, is I think we had just got back from Afghanistan probably four months before that. You know what I mean? So our guys didn't want to work the road and they just wanted to have fun anyway. So, I mean, I had a good group of guys, you know, that, that I say worked for me, but worked with me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Totally. You know, I, I, I just took a lot of the butt chewings, you know what yeah. I mean? And then I just rolled them downhill. You know how that goes. Yeah, that's so, exactly how that yeah. rolls. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, it would have been like out to Siberia on the ramp. Go guard, go guard the uh, F-15s because no one wanted to do that. Yeah, because that was a, like I had thought about the Air Force at one point and they were like, well, th- we have two different cops. I'm like, OK. They so were back like, then it was. Yeah. They were like, we have ones that guard the aircraft yeah. and then ones that work the road. Security and law enforcement. They, yeah. And then they combined uh, Brigadier General Coleman combined the forces, I think, in 97 or 98 is when the, the career field became one, which pissed a lot of the L.E. cops off. Right. Because they didn't want to guard <laughs> yeah, shit. I they know. just wanted to put their blues on. I mean, I don't know how patrol. anybody was like, yeah, I think I'll guard an airplane <laughs> or, or a jet. Or well, they So they suck you in. Right. Perfect. Perfect sales. But you talk about a good sales pitch and freaking recruiters, man. And they. Back then, it was this probably same for you, you know, typewriter uh, description. That's how it was printed. There was no computers. And you had pictures of what, you know, these people looked like at work. And so I'm looking at all this stuff of electronics. That's what I was in the aptitude at the time coming out of high school. I'm looking at all these guys working in like dark rooms, no windows, big computers. I'm like, that looks terrible. And then they tell you how long the technical training is after you do your boot camp. And I'm like, I'm going to come out of boot camp and then I'm going to go to Keesler, Mississippi for almost 40 weeks and at the time I didn't turkey hunt so they didn't I was like nah and then they're like have you considered this and I look and here's this dude and not knowing you know the elite gate section all this like here's this dude you know cuff blues wearing an ascot got a agulette on his shoulder looking pimp against nice shine Corfram boots with white laces ladder lace and I'm like and it was eight weeks training. Sign me up, son. <laughs> That's the thing is, is like <laughs> MP training. When I went through, I did it, the the total thing was sixteen weeks. We did six weeks of basic training yeah. and ten weeks of of law enforcement training. I mean, the the infantry guys were in training longer than what we were. Yeah. The mechanics were in longer than what we were and that's see that's how they sold me because they. So <laughs> when I went to sh- to I did my ASVAB test and they were like, all right. These are the three jobs we got for you. They were like, you scored really high at mechanics. You would make a great Humvee mechanic. I'm like, at the time, I'm like, I don't even know what a Humvee is, you know? And I was like, I don't even know how to change my own oil. You're like, why would I do that, right? <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, or you could be infantry. You know, they spend so many weeks in the field, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no. I said, I, I really want to be a cop. Like, well, let me see. And at the time, they had a height requirement. Is that right? Yeah. You had to be, I think for males, you had to be like 5'10". And at the time, I was 5'9". So I had to get a waiver for an inch, which when I got the basic training, I mean, there was females that were like four foot two, So I don't sure. know why I had to get the waiver. But but yeah, so that's how they got me. Is like, And I'm like, I don't want to go spend any time in the woods. I spent more time in the woods as yeah. MP than Hell any. Hell yeah, you did. I, I was like, I was like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? More time at army bases being an Air Force cop. Well, I mean, <laughs> we would go out. Uh, where the hell was it? There was this place in Virginia, uh, Western Virginia. I wish I could remember the name of it. Anyway, it was our 60 range. So we go out there and recall in the 60, and we would use tracer rounds out there, and we set that bitch on fire, like. 
legit forest fire from a couple trace rounds. Like, oh, 60 range is closed. Yeah. <laughs> like, you Air Force guys come here and screw stuff up. It was so funny. So funny. Can't- you guys not have it? You guys don't have a. You got small caliber ranges on Air Force bases or nothing at all? Yeah, we have our own ranges, right? So yeah. we could shoot, uh, you know, five, five, six, nine mil. You know, do all your duty weapon quals type stuff. But you know, we started doing, um, you know, saws, two forty nine, sixties. I mean, obviously, when they came out with the Bravos, two forty Bravos, and um, we where the hell? I think we ended up. I don't think I did any like big stuff local. We'd go out to Indian Springs. Nevada and do like uh, 50 cal training Mark 19 stuff and that was legit I loved Mark 19 dude yeah because they would have like all these old rugged like peacekeepers that were all blown to shit or you know uh, old tanks and stuff and they're like I'm gonna blow that turret off and sure you hit it and it would just you know that thing had to weigh like 800 damn pounds and it's just flipping like a dime in the air I got, I got a story for you with a Mark 19 yeah so we're we're in uh afghanistan and uh my guys were like hey we want to shoot off uh i'm trying to remember what the the stinking rocket thing that we had the, the law that uh, wasn't the law they um, shot one of them too no it wasn't the law it's like <laughs> uh, i'm drawing a brain fart Whatever it was, we'll just, it wasn't a law, but so we're at the base of this mountain and they, they shoot it off. Boom. It hits the base of the mountain and and launches and goes over this mountain, which is, you know, we're like, oh, you know, that's, that's kind of bad. But I mean, in in Afghanistan, (laughs) things are so spread out. Well, I get behind the Mark 19 and I'm like, all right, I'm going to shoot the Mark 19 and I'm going to shoot it at the center of this mountain right and so when you when you're doing your Mark 19 they tell you getting the gangster lean and all that stuff it had probably been a decade since i had shot the mark 19 so i'm doing whatever i let two go and they launch over the mountain right and i'm like oh and you hear boom boom right i said okay let's pack it up let's go you know so we get in our vehicles and we leave well the next day we had afghan workers that would come on our little cop that we had and they were like oh it's Sergeant, they said that uh, Taliban attacked them at this village, blah, blah, blah. They have rocket uh, that went off or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible news. You know what I mean? It was us. It, it was us. I was like, and after that, I was like, yeah, I, I, I can't get behind the Mark 19 anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, 50 cal, you know, 240 Bravo, whatever. But Mark 19, I launched it over a mountain. Like, how do you, I mean, I don't know how big the mountain is, but oh yeah. Well, that, that ended a lot of our firefights. Mark 19s did. And it wasn't for the fact that like we were hitting anybody. It was the sound of it. It was the same with a a hand grenade. If we threw a hand grenade, they'd stop, but you, they'd shoot at you all day long. If you, if you were, you know, trading AK 47 and you know, M fours, five, five, six with a seven, six, two, they do it all day. Sure. Take like your you, chances. Yeah. You did big boom and they're like, oh, well, I'm out. You know what I mean? Yeah. See you fellas tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I, was, I never understood that, but whatever. Oh, man. No memories. We're really bringing them out today, man. I know. And that, that's good. I mean, and again, we got that. What time is the breakfast? At seven or is it eight? It is at eight. I think the doors open at eight or eight ten. And then program begins around eight thirty. Something like that. I was hoping I was gonna get to sleep in, but that is sleeping in. Well, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I we got uh, I raised goats. I don't matter if I told yeah, you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so all your babies. Yeah, so we I, I got four right now that we're having to bottle feed. So every four hours, you know, we're up 
feeding these these goats. So I haven't had a day where I've you know been asleep for very very many hours trying to get up and feed these goats. Did you did you think when you left, you know, despite everything, challenges and all, like I'm gonna be raising goats in my living room? No, 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 not at all. I, you know, I, I, I don't even think I wanted to live in the country, right? But I wanted to live in the country because I wanted to be away from everybody. You know, like I, I wanted to do like the, uh, what's that shooter with Mark Wahlberg? You yeah. know, he goes out and yeah. lives in you know, solid. Oh. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I, I wanted to live my life, you know. And then no, that's not how. I, yeah, I moved to the country and then I get goats. And, you got people and goats. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and I got, you know, I don't know, seven dogs and I couldn't even tell you how many goats I got right now. Pigs, chickens. You know, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's fun. I, when I got out, freshly got out, I started putting a menagerie of birds together when I when I left. It was it was fun. I had like uh, all these different chickens. I started getting quail. What else the hell did I had some ducks? And it was legit. I built this beautiful aviary, and people would come like, "You built that for your chicken?" You know, they're real hillbilly over there. They're just like, "We're just gonna kill these birds and eat them in like a week." And I'm like, "They're they're cool, man." I get my eggs. I have, I don't want to eat them. They're just fun little suckers. Yeah, and th so that's something me and the girlfriend talked about is like, even though like our goats are raised for meat. Yeah. Like we want them to have the best life that they can have. Same with our chickens. Our chickens are free range. Yeah. You know, they can come and go as they please. We feed them twice a day. You know, we try to give them the best life that, that we can. Same with our goats. You know what I mean? Because we know what they're going to provide for us. Yeah. And we appreciate that. You know, so building a big aviary, like I got to do that with my turkeys because I got a dog that likes to eat birds. And, uh, yeah. You know, I've, I've had like, I think I've had like 10 turkeys. I got two left. Oh, man. Because it's a game to him. He chases them, holds them down, and then, you know, it's lights out for him. So I let mine go. I'd, they'd, they'd walk around the property all day. He's like, this place is more secure than the county jail. I said, damn right. I dug down, buried a uh, next guest coming up. Uh, I buried like this. Uh, chain link and shit so yeah. the raccoons couldn't dig in yeah. there and i was like yeah it's legit man yeah because i had i we bought like 50 baby chicks yeah and raccoons tore them up just get in there yeah and it was bad it was bad Puck, i appreciate you stopping in brother yeah i'll you see got you tomorrow a, you got another guest yeah so. uh, mary o'neill phillips uh, and awesome. her husband zach from country outdoors are out there sydney uh from barstool sports is going to join us so we're going to have a a little powwow with them and then that's pretty much going to do it for the day got one more uh one more guest after that and then awesome then i'm going to bed well i'll see you in the morning yes sir i will have a good night Take thanks for stopping by bro yeah. Are we doing this live or is this still recording? No, it's it's recording. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I got to shoot a uh, a social media people. So yeah, cool. Shoot. What was your name again? Uh, I just mentioned. I no, no worries. It's John. John. Yeah. John. John. Last name Anoni rhymes with baloney. Didn't say it again. The last name Anoni. It rhymes. It rhymes with baloney. Baloney. Perfect. All right, everybody, with your camera and smile. One, two, three, four. Awesome. Awesome. So. The day I started, we, we finally connected, right? Yep. Um, Tom Opry's on the show and, and John Aloni. Is that again? Opry. Opry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not to be confused with Grand Old or that lady. No, so it's, lots of that's the, the northerner in me, I guess, the New Hampshire coming out. So I was, um, 
I was talking to you about, you know, being here and, and everything coming on. And unbeknownst to me at the time, the film that you're debuting, uh, you worked with the Life Foundation on. Yeah. And you had Matt Light on. And obviously, a guy from New England knows exactly who Matt Light is if he's been around for the last but 20, 25 years. Super Bowl or two. Yeah. yeah here or there. Or Rose Bowl. Matt and I actually did a podcast together when this was uh, this program was, was fairly new back in 2017 or 18. I've always known about the Life Foundation. They've done such a great job. So, as I'm as I'm booking you, I'm trying to work with them to help them out with their their youth hunts in Rhode Island and, and uh, in Ohio. And then as I'm emailing you, they they drop a teaser on the Life Foundation Instagram page. And I see it's your film. Like, what the hell's going on here? Like, my whole world's getting you scrambled. The one, the and... one with the old logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did that get changed? Oh, yeah, yeah so I saw that. And I was like, text like, Brian. I was like, dude, he's got the old logo on there still. Yeah, no. Brian, Brian sent me uh, twenty six logos and every kind of way appreciate reform. Like, hey, thanks a lot for letting me know about that. <laughs> So it's awesome. I just I love the the way the the wires crossed and it was just you know everything just you know stars ah, aligned kind of thing. Small world, you totally. Know? My dad was an outdoor writer for thirty years. Wrote for Outdoor Life and Field and Stream. And yeah. back in the day, he and Rob Keck were very close Is friends. That right? And so I uh, I ran into Rob today, and I think the conversation took about an hour or two. Yeah, Rob was here <laughs> yesterday, and I I didn't want to cut him off. Yeah, no, I'm it's actually uh, so much history. Trying to figure out if there's a way we could incorporate him into one of these projects coming up because cool. we're going to be in Florida working on the Osceola subspecies, and next year it'll be Texas, and after that it'll be Gould. So. So yeah. I'm figuring we'll get uh, so we'll get Mr. Keck in here before long. Talk talk to the audience about the project and and you know what what you're doing with NWTF and how it came about. Yeah, you know that's a great question. You know, in our society today, um, there's a huge disconnect in modern society when it comes to nature. I mean, 100%. as hunters and fishermen, we understand what it takes, and you know, obviously, it's our dollars and our our hard blood, sweat, and tears. You know, boots on the ground that's created this incredible conservation model. You know, the North American model, uh, but. Unfortunately, we're a very small minority. If you check U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service data in any given year, only about four or five percent of the U.S. population buys a hunting license. Well, now we're seeing the politicization of wildlife conservation, where there are politicians, uh, politicians, there are political organizations and nonprofit organizations that don't like us. That's right. And they are literally uh, working to get folks to to get us banned or regulated out of existence, and it's by us. Hunters here in, in the United States, and to some extent, fishermen. And so we see a real need to try to bring back, um, you know, to educate that 70, 75% in the middle that don't really understand our North American conservation model. And we live in this day and age with social media. Of course, we're on a podcast now, but with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where people can see content put in front of their face in literally a nanosecond. You go out there and, you know, I know what you went through to, to hunt that, that big gobbler or, or that big buck. And you've spent all that time and energy and money. Uh, and finally, you're successful and you want to, you know, you're proud of yourself. You want to take that picture and you want to share that with your friends. Unfortunately, in many cases to the non-hunting public, you know, I mean, they don't even know where their food comes from. Right. I think, what is it? 47% of high schoolers in the, in the uh, Chicago public school system a few years ago um, said that they didn't know that their hamburger came from an animal. I had not heard that yeah. statistic, but um, unfortunately, I'm not surprised by that either. That's terrible. Yeah. So, you know, we're in that situation where it's really important that we start to change um, the perception of hunting. Yeah. And so I, I've worked together with a bunch of other wildlife photographers and outdoor filmmakers to create a nonprofit called the Shepherds of Wildlife Society. So really 
our whole mission is to reconnect modern society with nature. And by doing the film projects I do, I've been, I've been in the film business, I've been carrying a camera since I was 19, been really lucky to do a lot of cool stuff in the film business and done Shark Week for Discovery Channel and feature films and, and a lot of national television commercials. But uh, my upbringing in the outdoors with my father and the things that he taught us and, and the things that we did growing up um, made us the people we are today. And that is the traditions, the strong heritage and traditions we have as hunters and fishermen and outdoorsmen and sharing that those, those, times of field and sharing those meals together has been so important to me. I mean, I don't think I bought a piece of beef until I was well into my twenties. Yeah. I mean, you know, my dad was, you know, outdoor writer and outdoor writers back, back in the day, even today don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. wild game was a big part of sure. uh, big part of our menu. So, but yeah, so we, we saw this need to, you know, educate folks. And so at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm using my talents as a filmmaker and what I'm hoping to do is, is take these projects. We, uh, we're working on a subspecies, turkey subspecies um, wildlife conservation project. We're now into our second year. We did the Merriam's turkey during COVID. I happen to live in Montana. So, um, you know, we weren't quite as crazy as the east and <laughs> left coast uh, <laughs> yeah. when it came to COVID restrictions. Yeah. Uh, we had a few Still crazy things, it, but, uh, you know, Montana has been open for business since May of 2020. Yeah. Uh, so we've been really blessed to be out there and, and continue to hunt and spend time in the outdoors. And then this year, uh, we're going to be presenting our project we shot last spring, which is our eastern subspecies so uh, the first film's called mountain thunder of course the merriams we were hunting them up in the mountains and yep. the snow and some pretty crazy places and this last year we were uh, working on the eastern subspecies so we we're in rhode island you know as you mentioned with matt light you want to talk about a crazy place uh, there are turkeys everywhere there is. and you can shoot multiple turkeys in most of those states um uh we met with the folks from the rhode island fish and game department and the biologist was telling me they only sell a thousand tags a year in rhode yeah. island but then again it's the size of a postage stamp so That's exactly right but there's birds everywhere so but it was real fun to hang out with matt of course you know you, you as you alluded to matt's uh, won a few super bowls i think three yep um and he's got this incredible light foundation where he's taken thirty thousand kids outdoors learning about leadership yeah. and in taking them out and in introducing them to archery and to shooting firearm shooting into hunting he has he has a couple of annual uh, uh turkey hunts for the kids and he just gives back he's been doing it ever since he got drafted because you know when you get drafted in the second round in the nfl even though it was i think it was 2001 um they pay you a lot of money yeah. these days, a little yeah. bit different than back in the seventies. Rookie and the 80s. contracts are a little more lucrative yeah. now. Yeah, so we had a great time with him, and uh, you know, it definitely, it's, it's a type of hunting there that's very aggressive, um, where you probably can't do that in the southeast. You probably can't do that in parts of the Midwest, just because uh, just too many hunters in the field. But um, but you know, Matt's got a thing he likes to do, and he's really good at it. I think he accounts, according to the state fishing game uh, there in Rhode Island, between his youth hunters and himself and all his buddies he takes out hunting because he's constantly taking somebody hunting throughout right. the turkey season. I think they shoot about a third of the total birds that are killed every year. That's probably true. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, it was really fun. So from there, um, we actually got together with, with John and Noni, who's here with me right now. Uh, John has uh, run Camp Compass for over 30 years in the Allentown School. Uh, well, actually, he's an Allentown School teacher, but Correct. he's been working Correct. out of a, a, an individual's private um, <laughs> a carpet the story, store that he the has story the upstairs. is not yeah. believable. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. And, you know, John uh, has a great story to tell. And I won't jump into John's. So I'll give him a chance to talk about it a little bit. 
but it was pretty funny. John and I met each other oh, many, many years ago when uh, we were both at the Professional Outdoor Media Association conference. And and uh, so I was always like, man, that's an interesting story. I got to figure out someday how to incorporate him. And we've talked and talked and everything. And then finally, this project came up and I'm like, hey, John, you hunt turkeys? Well, what do you think? I'm like, Okay, well, we should do some ways. Okay, so we. The funny part was it is, is that we made this plan to go spend some time outside of Allentown, out in the out in the woods, out there, and uh, it was like, so John, you know, I I got Matt Light, who's like goes and knocks on doors and says, I'm Matt Light. He used to play for the Patriots and people give him permission to hunt wherever. <laughs> and then I got John Anoni on the other side and he's like, um, I'm this, I'm this tan guy. Can I let, yeah, can yeah, I hunt yeah. your so, and so everybody understands. John is a, <laughs> oh my he, he is a black American. Yeah, okay. I, I'm I, not into this black African no, stuff. You, you, he's a black you, American. I he's am, my brother. I, I'm so. actually half black, half Italian. I look Puerto Rican and I eat Chinese food. Yeah. I got them all licked. I got them all licked. No, so, so John's like, hey, um, I got us a place to hunt. I'm like, really? Okay, so what are we looking at? You know, an outfitter's place. So we got a couple hundred acres, a couple thousand acres. No, 15. Man, <laughs> 15. Well, well. And so it's like, um, okay, all right, well, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, <laughs> sure you, enough. You know, and, 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 and the, ba the back story there is... Um, the, the, the gentleman was the first time where he had a hunt club, but th there were no birds around. I contacted one of my other buddies and said, hey, man, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but I got 15 acres. You're pretty much property, property locked, but go ahead and give it a go. And yeah. uh, sometimes the turkey gods just smile. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because no. they often don't. <laughs> yeah, no. Not only did we they successful, more like laugh. <laughs> not only were we successful one time, but the second time, John, who's been taking out thousands and thousands of kids and other people who've never hunted to hunt, and never hunts himself, except to take people out, never pulls the trigger. Well, this time we had him pull the trigger, so we went two for two out in 15 acres back to back days so um fun fun trip and then from there i went down to georgia to get with uh doc chamberlain from mortal school of forestry down the industry of georgia you know the turkey wild turkey doc on instagram i'm sure everybody knows of him and has been on this podcast more times than i can probably think but uh it was funny went down there got together with good buddy mike ormsby and these guys know how to talk turkey yeah and they got places to find turkeys and there is incredible habitat but it was the end of the season and the weather was not mother nature was not at all cooperative mm -hmm. um six inches of rain the first night we were there uh it was already leafed out i mean and the hens were you know they were already nesting right and so everybody kind of shut up and we spent four days hunting never once saw a turkey <laughs> wow. so, and from there we went up to wisconsin the next week and got together with uh, one of the gals linda hines who's uh one i think one of the volunteer coordinators for the uh, women in the outdoors program at mwtf and uh, she had a first-time woman hunter and we had turkeys everywhere yeah. but we couldn't quite seal the deal but boy it was exciting so you know the idea behind these projects is to really tell people stories about yeah. why they hunt and yeah. then tie in the conservation and the science with folks like uh, dr chamberlain and the wildlife biologists for some of these states where they can talk about what they're doing in order to enhance habitat and, and increase wildlife populations and, and you know or overall managing them so but put it in a way where people can say wow Oh, this is really interesting. This is not the whack them and stack them kind of mentality. This is telling these great human interest stories that would be identifiable by anybody in the public, whether they're a hunter or not a hunter. Because obviously, we want to be able to take these projects and use that to help educate the broader public, the people who don't really care about hunting until they see something stupid on social media. 
those are the people that we want to target down the road. Obviously, we'll work with our hunters initially, and then we'll keep continue working down the road. So we're kind of dual purposing all so the things we're doing. Conversely to that, right? I mean, you have the opportunity to also influence, especially with, you know, someone like Matt. And this has been a, a kind of a reoccurring theme over the last two days in these conversations is that, you know, I... I I get lucky to, to do this as part of my job and I get to talk to some pretty cool people, just like, you know, filming, you get to be around really interesting human beings. Um, we're lucky in that aspect, but those people who are, you know, not your, they're not, they're not endemics, I guess, in the fact that they're not industry people as it were, like they, more people can gravitate them and know them because of what they did professionally. And they had this great reach, to an audience that they can be very influential to likewise with your films you know discovery channel like you you obviously know the the swing that that's taken with the the popularity of northwoods law right right in my home state in new hampshire people eat that stuff up love it through through animal planet right so there are ways we can get our story out and and you know air finger quote normalize it and i and and we were just the folks that were just in here we were talking about that the last two years that silver lining that we keep referring to presented itself and i think we're doing a pretty good job of of turning um you know crap soup into something better yeah, then we had it. You know we got to start. That's for sure. We got a ways to go. We got a long ways you know, to go. But I, and we've done some focus group research, and, and a lot of people have. I mean, most people, you know, ninety percent, eighty, ninety percent of the population here in the United States, you know, that are not strongly for against hunting or okay with hunting, different to it as long as it's for consumption. But a you to word like trophy or safari or something like that, then you get into this ninety percent negative, and and it makes sense because when you think about the forces that are arrayed against us, the Humane Societies of the United States, PETA, folks like that. Now these folks, if you look at their 990 tax returns they collect about a billion dollars every year and they're not putting one dollar of that in the wildlife conservation it. no it's no boots on the ground it's it's paying for guys wearing armani suits and 500 dollars haircuts a bunch of lawyers you know and that's what they're paying their money for and they want to keep us off the landscape yet we're the reason why we have birds in our back feeders you know our bird feeders it's a reason why we have these deer and turkeys in our yards it's because of, of what you know, guys like Teddy Roosevelt and George Bird Grinnell and, and uh, you know, those guys back in the turn of the century that had the forethought to say, hey, you know, the foresight to say, hey, we need to do something about this. And we've continued to work down it because we're passionate about it. We care about it. And when you interact with a resource, you do take care of it. And that's really what we need to do. And, and, and unfortunately, social media can be a two edged sword. Um, totally. You know, we, we see and, and, and this is something that I talk about to the big game hunter, especially the guys that travel abroad and want to go hunt in Africa for lions and elephants and things like that. I mean, the value they create for these rural indigenous communities is immense. I mean, it's money that would never come from any other source. There's nobody writing checks out of Belgium to go here. Here you guys go. And people don't want handouts anyway. These people are proud. But what they have to understand is that when you're sitting there with that that lion that you've killed or that elephant, and of course, I understand the money you spent. I understand the time you spend in that endeavor. Uh, and it's no different than, you know, hunting a deer or a turkey. I mean, we, we go through these process. Hunting is hunting. There's right. no such thing as trophy hunting. Hunting is the act of pursuing an animal and killing it. That's it. Okay. We've been doing this since humans have walked on two feet. I don't care where you're from or what your religion is or anything. At the end of the day, humans hunt. And humans so, like to eat. Yeah. Well, that's the key thing there. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, unfortunately with social media, 
you know, people that are no longer connected to nature, then when they see this picture of this guy, you know, depending on it with a deer or a turkey or a lion or something, and they look at it and quite frankly, you know, he might have some blood on it. The guy might be with a big grin and a smile, gal, whoever the hunter is. But what that looks like to the non-hunting public is, is no different than the ISIS videos we saw being produced during the Syrian civil war, where they're cutting the heads off of human beings and putting on YouTube, which I think you can still watch today. But that's what they look at us because North America, you know, here, Western, the Western world is afraid of death. And it's very easy to look at hunters and, and put them into this mold of being evil because it's like, oh, they go out and kill things. I mean, you hear it all the time. Well, you're going to all you do is kill stuff. I mean, and unfortunately, the incredible conservation work we do looks like to a lot of the non-hunters is a bunch of Elmer Fuds raising more rascally rabbits to go out and shoot and kill. So we have to do a better job of cleaning up our own act. We've got to make sure that we do post things on social media. And this is also in the film. Uh, well, we do it respectfully. We show the wildlife in the way that we actually honor it not sit there. I mean, again, I understand what you went through. Maybe it's a Boone and Crockett animal. Maybe it's got, you know, it's a 25 pound bird with spurs and, and uh, a beard that's beyond anything anyone's ever seen. But at the end of the day, it's really not about that physical thing. It's about that time that you spend in the field and, and being with that wildlife and being able to take it and the time you spent with your friends. And that's the thing that we've got to do a better job of explaining to the broader public. Because if we don't, like I was talking about earlier, we could be banned and regulated out of existence. Yeah, you're exactly right. We serve, you know, at the, 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 the whims of people, you know, it's, you know, uh, social credit, right. Is the, the new term, the new buzzword in the space. And we have so much social credit. And if we spend it all, like you said, not every state in our country has their state uh, uh, constitutions amended. They haven't gone through this process. I think it's 32 states have amended their state constitutions to make at least hunting and fishing a right. It's a right. Trapping, not always in there, but it is in some. A state right. A state right. It's not a federal right, but at the state level. So when HSUS goes in there and becomes huge pains in the asses and they attack little states like New Hampshire and Rhode Island because we're little, and they just outspend the nonprofits and the conservation organizations. It, you know, it's, it takes a considerable amount of volunteerism and people going, sitting with these legislators. And, you know, per capita, New Hampshire specifically has one of the largest governing bodies in the whole country. It's ridiculous uh, the amount of representatives we have. But it's, so it takes this concerted effort to go up to the Capitol and sit there and Concord and have these conversations and, and tell your why. And they make it compelling to make it them understand why it's important. Right. And you have so much uh, migration, immigration from state to states now, especially in the last two years of people leaving these large metropolitan areas, going to your state of Montana. Okay, you're welcome, but keep Montana, Montana. Don't bring your what yeah. you left and you ran away from. We, we call that the uh, the gate rule. Yeah, leave it the way you found it. If yeah. it's open, leave it open. Exactly if it's right. closed, close it. It's a. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, and then there's a part of people that are saying, well, I don't want to hide and be shy and run away from it. And they almost get uh, offended when we start to try to self-regulate and say, listen, man, all I'm saying is be nice, be respectful, be a good human being about what you're doing. I'm not telling you not to go out there and post a grip and grin. Just clean it up because you're, you're representing the whole of us. And if that's who you are and you want to have, you want to be that meme of and be a friggin' FUD and you want to have, a you know, half a tin of chew in your mouth and you're smiling, you got all this foolishness on you. I mean, that you're not representing me. 
and I'm not letting you do that. Yeah. And that's one of the problems we have is, is within the hunting community, we haven't done a good job, like I said earlier, explaining to people why we hunt and what we have exhibited is, is, is egos. You know, totally. when you, when people start thinking about, you know, Hey, you, you know, when you're doing these, you know, chest pumps and fist pumps, and I, I understand what you went through, but if you put that out, so the rest of the public, they don't get it. They don't understand it. When you shoot a zebra, they think that, oh, well, that's something from the zoo. You're a poacher. You killed a horse. Yeah. That's you know, how I look and at by the way, zebra is incredibly to eat. I yeah, love it. Yeah, I keep it. hearing so, that. But, uh, but we have to do a better job of cleaning up our own act because totally. at the end of the day, we do live in these representative democracies. And, you know, folks, we're going to lose at the election. You know, we're going to lose every time at the ballot box because there's just not enough of us. But like I said earlier, Humans have been hunting for a long time. I like to say, folks, there's a reason why campfires mesmerize every human being in the 100%. world. 100%. And it has nothing to do with roasting marshmallows. Yeah. There's a reason why your teeth chew through flesh. Exactly. Right? So, you know, I think, you know, I, there, I think we have the upper hand. I think in the long run, if we get our act together, we can certainly make a difference. And, and I love what NWTF's been doing with a lot of its conservation approaches and its new communications. I mean, it's about creating putting food on the table. It's about the heritage and spending time together with our friends and family in the outdoors. And, and us at least that, that is the number one reason why we hunt. Yeah. It's not necessary to kill something. It's to spend that time with your friends and family in the outdoors. Now, most hunters are less than 20% successful at whatever they're going after every year. So we can't say it's about the body count, right? Yeah, well, I can tell you the reality behind that is I don't know about how many of you guys have spent every day in the woods, every hour in the woods, but yeah. I can tell you what, I haven't pulled a trigger every day and not every week, not That's every right. month, sometimes Statistics, not every year. Yeah. So yeah, now the chances of actually being successful in the field are very, very slim when you're truly hunting. That's exactly right. Tom, I, it, our time is short, but uh, we got stuff to do tonight, but I do appreciate you coming along and introduce me to John. Uh, it's very cool. And uh, at some point we're going to do this again, I think in a longer form. And I want to hear more of John's story as well, because I think you definitely bring a, an updated, better perspective to these conversations and especially, uh, you know, you got to watch the film. Be careful what you wish for. No way, man. I love it. The more crazy and interesting the conversation, the better, the better the, uh, the downloads. Between him, and, <laughs> between him and Doc Chamberlain, there's some things in my film that's definitely going to get a few turkey hunters talking. It. So awesome, man. Like, well, I can't wait. Yeah. Killer. Couple splinters. We're going to, but if we want to get a smile, we got to pull the teeth, right? That's right, man. I dig yeah. it. No, Thank you guys good. so much. For All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much to you guys for tuning in for these three episodes. Um, if you're new to the show and this is how you're getting uh, brought in, welcome. We're glad to have you. For those of you who've been around since the beginning, I hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, lots of stuff on these last three episodes. Um, I aim to please, so I hope I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, the numbers confirm that, so you guys are enjoying it out there, and I hope you uh, pass it along to your friends and uh, everyone that you think would enjoy this. Uh, one more time, Melissa Bachman, Preston Pittman, Pup Westfall, the O'Neills, Sydney Wells, Tom Oprah. Thank you all so very much for your time and contributing to this uh, this episode and uh, getting to meet y'all next week. Back to regular scheduled program, uh, teeing up. Matt Light, three-time Super Bowl champion. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Light Foundation, a lot of the good work that the Light Foundation is doing. So I'm looking forward to bringing you uh, Matt Light and talking about some, some youth hunts and leadership courses for the kids and just a lot of good stuff going on. By the time this drops, I believe... Uh, 
I believe we're, we're, we're definitely starting to get in it. Spring is sprung or springing in the south. Turkey seasons are getting underway and uh, and we are moving. We are charging forward to to April and May. And for those of you in the northern part of the country, we're getting the hell out of this cold. I think at least not where I'm at. It's gotten colder in March, but uh, I think eventually we get there. So. That's it. Thanks for uh, coming along, bringing us along. Uh, three episodes in one week. It's a lot. But um, like I say, it was it's, it was a good time and wanted to share it for all of you who could not join us in Nashville. We do hope if you weren't there, you join us 2023 for our 50th anniversary. This will be our 47th convention and sports show. And uh, man, if you're going into your 50th anniversary, I imagine we're going to throw one hell of a party and uh Hopefully you can make it there. That's it. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you again on Thursday. Regularly scheduled releases. Help the Yelp guys that's out there. Please go ahead and uh, find your way to that. Encourage your friends and family to become membership. If you are a turkey hunter, you're hearing this, you're not a member of the NWTF. Uh, make that fix in your life. Uh, because as you've heard over these episodes it's 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 more than about thirty five dollars. It's it's you. It's your voice. And it gives power and breathes power into this organization so that we can continue to do what we've been doing for almost near 50 years of conserving the wild turkey and preserving our hunting heritage. Y'all take care of each other. Be good. Love each other. Be safe out there. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you. Turkey hunters find everything you need to succeed at sportsmansguide.com. From decoys and calls to apparel, boots, and blinds. Plus, Sportsman's Guide has much more than just hunting gear. From fishing, camping, and adventure to family barbecues and backyard bonfires. For everything you love about the great outdoors, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Shop sportsmansguide.com today.